0: I love for you show in case you'd
1: say no to Russia I flew
0: but there a man
2: This is Patrick Henningson and you're listening to On the QT at twenty one wire TV,
3: accessing confidential data.
2: Welcome to On the QT at 21Wire.tv. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. Thank you so much for, for joining us. We're doing a special holiday broadcast. This is a live broadcast on ACR. This is normally a podcast, uh, but this is a special edition. Uh, we've got this story, which is kind of a, a big story. So we decided to schedule something special uh, for this Christmas week. Uh, and the theme of this show uh, which would be a podcast, this live show, uh, is going to be Ru- the Russian hack hysteria. So, Cozy Bears and Eggnog, uh, not to leave out Fancy Bear as well. Uh, Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear being the latest uh, villains uh, of the world of, of cyber espionage and uh, electoral subterfuge. Uh, we're going to get into this story in a, a much deeper way. Um, and just to tell you what we're going to do in this episode, uh, so it's the Russian hack hysteria. This is what's taken over America right now, uh, incredibly, so what we're, this is what we're going to do. What we're going to do here today is uh, we're going to give you an introduction, uh, a very comprehensive introduction uh, into the United States media government media disinformation complex. And this is basically led by, we have the government uh, on one hand, and their partners are mainstream media. And and specifically, we're going to analyze uh, how the propaganda is being spun on this story by two networks, uh, CNN and Fox, mainly. We won't bother with MSNBC, NBC, CBS, etc., because those networks... Um, they're not 24-hour news networks per se, although MSNBC sort of is. Well, it's a news network part of the day. Then it's like a prison industrial complex promotional channel in the evenings uh, with all these lockup programs. But putting that aside, but those networks, they're generally pitching. They're watered-down uh, reporting or analysis. It's really a sub-fifth-grade audience. So, it's, I mean, it's so dumbed down. Nickelodeon. Has more edgy uh, current affairs themes uh, than than MSNBC, CBS, and NBC, ABC. Uh, so very dumbed down, uh, but CNN is slightly more sophisticated uh, in how it assembles uh, its full full time sort of payrolled uh, teams of experts, and uh, Fox as well. Fox is Fox is very dumbed down, uh, except for there's a few smart characters on there, Tucker Carlson, Judge Napolitano, Judge Janine Pirro, mostly they're sharp, but overall, uh, Fox pitches to the lowest common denominator, And but the two leading cable news networks, CNN and Fox, so we'll focus on these two, so Russia phobia, you know, where did this start, where did this talking point come from? And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at who's pushing it from the political players uh, through the media and then down to the so-called experts who support the news anchors. We're going to show you how this system works on this particular story. Uh, So this story essentially began with Robbie Mook. Um, This is one of Hillary Clinton's chief campaign advisors. And we learned from the Podesta email leaks uh, saying leaks, not hacks, because they seem to be leaked. Uh, maybe they were hacked, but also leaked uh, to WikiLeaks. But regardless, um, this is where this kind of story goes. So apparently, someone in the in the Clinton campaign or the Dn Democratic National Committee back during the election uh, thought that they saw there was a Donald Trump had made a comment about Vladimir Putin, uh, slightly uh, conciliatory, uh, friendly comment about how he respected Putin and how Putin doesn't respect our leadership. This is why America needs strong leadership, etc. That was seized upon by the Clinton campaign as an opportunity. If they could somehow uh, demonize, Ru- continue to demonize Russia, which was already an ongoing process in Washington, um, and then they can attach Trump to Putin, and then somehow that will basically tarnish Donald Trump's image in the eyes of the American voter. Uh, so this was a deliberate strategy, uh, and they played it, and they played it very hard, and they continued to play it even after the election. Uh, so that's how that got started. And then all of a sudden, uh, there were announcements and pronouncements coming out of the intelligence community uh, that the, uh, the Russians were behind the DNC leaks, uh, hugely embarrassing uh, revelations that came out Uh, During the summer of the DNC leaks, the the most embarrassing revelation was that the Democratic Party had basically shafted uh, one of their uh, primary uh, candidates. Bernie Sanders, a very popular, had a huge grassroots movement, and they basically sidelined him, derailed him, marginalized him uh, in favor of the anointed one, uh, Madam President. And so that was the most embarrassing of the DNC leaks. Uh, Internal democratic party corruption threatened to split the party threatened to damage the vote in the general election uh if hillary was nominated she still wouldn't have the full support of the party huge crisis so what they needed was a scapegoat and i think it's i don't think you can argue that that's not what happened because that's exactly what happened now just to put this in perspective uh 21st century wire on november 1st um i published a op-ed piece called Hillary's Russian hack hoax the biggest lie of this election season this was before election day and we came out I I said it was it seems to me like a complete contrived synthetic hoax so basically what I said at the time was the longer this soap soap opera drags on it's becoming more and more evident that the Russian government did not hack the DNC uh, or John in Moscow was not feeding John Podesta's emails to WikiLeaks. For those who are deeply invested in this now official conspiracy theory, however, uh, this might be a hard pill to swallow. And where this really took off was in October. And th- what happened then was it seemed like the White House, um, possibly this originated from the White House. But back back on Go back to July 27th, Josh Rogan of the Washington Post, who I sometimes believe and sometimes don't. But anyway, what he wrote was the Clinton campaign had decided to escalate its rhetoric on Russia after Trump suggested Wednesday that if Russia indeed hacked Clinton's private email server, this was going back to the Clinton server gate, uh, and it should release the emails the Clinton campaign sent out its Democratic surrogates to bash Russia and Trump in a manner traditionally reserved for Republicans. And so, but when it really started hitting, was a story was then released. um, This was backed by the White House uh, and Clinton's media machine uh, basically saying that the U.S. election systems in Arizona had somehow been tampered with by Russian hackers. Okay, And this comes right on the heels of the Department of Homeland Security basically making similar claims and then saying that the DHS, a federal agency, needs to take over to secure U.S. election systems. We'll go back to that. That's that's one of the central themes of why this official conspiracy theory has been floated in the first place. It's more... Federal control over state election processes. Okay, very important that people understand that. <clears throat> so hackers targeted voter registration systems in uh, Illinois and uh, Arizona, and the FBI alerted Arizona officials that the Russians were behind the assault on the election uh, systems in that state. But but by the time you advance down the story, this was originally... Uh, I think it was, was in the Washington Post, I think. But you, you quickly realize that there's no conclusion at all like this. And you see this a lot with mainstream uh, mainstream media uh, articles. So that you, you read further and it says the Bureau described the threat as credible. So there is no proof. It was a, some, so a credible threat. So someone theorizing that the Russians hacked Arizona state election systems. And this is all in the article, by the way, um, Russian hack hoax, the biggest lie of this uh, election season. Hillary's Russian hack hoax. Okay. So this is how it all got started. And this sort of analysis you won't get by any mainstream media pundits because it's too complicated. Um, It doesn't fit the soundbite requirements of of 10 or 20 seconds that they generally work on. Um, And then then you go down and then it, it turns to almost nothing. I quote, it says, it turned out that the hackers had not compromised state systems or even county systems. They had, however, stolen the username and password of a single election official in Gila County. Wow. So all of that, and then the DHS saying they need to take over the election systems because of security, based on someone stole one username and password of one single election official in Gila County. I think this was in Arizona. So at this point, there's no evidence. There's nothing. Okay. So that's, I'm just taking you back to how uh, this whole thing got started. So this, this looks like a planted story and this looks like it's right out of central planning, central information in Washington, the office of information dispersal. Okay. So, and then you have all these hyperbolic rants about Russia it's going to face serious consequences, et cetera. DHS is weighing in on it. And then you have uh, someone called CrowdStrike. Uh, this is a private cybersecurity firm. This is like a go-to firm. There's another one called Flashpoint. These are private agencies that somehow uh, the government always defers to whenever there's some big hacking crisis, okay? And we don't know anything about these companies, who they are. Uh, so this is the Washington Post again. The uh, the administration also blamed Moscow For the hack of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, okay, so it's the DNC. And the subsequent leak of the private email addresses cell phone numbers of Democratic lawmakers, okay, an online persona calling himself Guccifer 2.0 has claimed responsibility for posting the material. So those sites uh, and that persona are consistent with the methods and motivations of Russian-directed efforts. So consistent with the methods and motivations of Russian-directed efforts, this is a long, far cry from uh, Russia had done this hacking and then handed these things to WikiLeaks, for instance. So we believe that based on the scope and sensitivity of these efforts, that only Russians' most senior officials could have authorized these activities. This was the original, this is where it all started back in October. Okay. And then they went on, and then this is where it gets even more murky, okay? So the U.S. intelligence agencies have never actually said definitively on record that Russia did it. They've said that we believe it's uh, uh, consistent with Russian-directed efforts and so forth. This is the language they use in order to have a get-out clause, okay? So leaving the door wide open. Uh, to basically walk back that accusation at a later date, which they will, I, I believe they will do. Uh, it, I'm already seeing the president starting to do that already. This is standard Washington procedure of ambiguity, okay? So, but this little detail is uh, is really important. And so Hillary Clinton, during the campaign, the latter days, we had this uh, announcement, vague announcement, that actually originated from the office of the director of national intelligence, okay? Uh, So James Clapper's office, and uh, we have 17 intelligence agencies, civilian, uh, military, who have all concluded that these espionage attacks, these cyber attacks, come from the highest levels of the uh, Kremlin, uh, and that they are designed to influence our election. Who said that? Hillary Clinton said that, okay? Not the office of national intelligence, uh, and I find that deeply disturbing, says Hillary Clinton. Uh, so who are these 17 intelligence agencies who basically said that, uh, the, including the Coast Guard, the National Reconnaissance Office, the the, the National Satellite uh, Office, I mean, these aren't people involved at all uh, with this investigation. Um, but they've gathered what they call intelligence from CrowdStrike, a private company, and a few other assessments of members of the intelligence community and that is basically, for them, case closed, the Russians did it, still haven't produced or uh, offered any uh, real information on that. So so that's the problem that we have right here. So uh, you know, basically this is uh, they've consolidated all separate conspiracy theories now uh, in order to reinforce the following agenda, okay? The first part of this agenda I mentioned, this is what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen, okay? The first part is federal control of U.S. election systems, okay, through the Department of Homeland Security. Jay Johnson, who's basically a lawyer, who was appointed to be the head of the DHS, um, he was pushing this back in uh, August or September, uh, based on a fake uh, claim of a Russian hack of uh, Arizona and Illinois state election system. So that got the ball rolling. The ball was already rolling, uh, though, with the DNC League. So this talking point, the Russians are tampering with U.S. election systems. That's where it all began in the beginning. Uh, that's the number one point that people need to realize. That's, that is definitely on the agenda, to take – Uh, The state's ability to manage their own affairs and to devolve that to the federal government based on some sort of security crisis. Uh, Pretty standard playbook there. So domestically, however, in terms of domestic politics, uh, there is an agenda using this one party or one side of the uh, political divide. will use this to discredit, to delegitimize uh, the Trump uh, administration the Trump transition and the president elect soon to be president uh, after January 20th. Okay. And who's behind this, uh, the white house, uh, Barack Obama, uh, Hillary Clinton, John Podesta, and uh, their supporters. And the only way to describe this hysteria, this anti-Russian hysteria, this is basically a psychotic psychological meltdown. This is like a mental disorder Uh, It's become a case of mass collective insanity is the only way that we can really describe this accurately. People are talking and thinking and saying very irrational things, uh, very emotive. It's all emotion. We'll show you some clips in a minute. Um, Everyone's losing their mind. So that's the big theme here, mass collective insanity. This is what's going on on a domestic political level and social level. People have lost their minds. They can't think straight. Uh, they've demonized Russia and Vladimir Putin to such, inflated him to such a degree uh, that they really believe that he is uh, the number one enemy of the United States. And he's like a cross between Hitler, Goldfinger, and uh, 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 Ming the Merciless uh, from Flash Gordon. You roll them all together, that's Vladimir Putin. So that's what the establishment is, is concocted there. The second issue is to do with international relations. This Russian hack hysteria that Russian has uh, meddled with U.S. elections, this is designed to damage any future U.S.-Russian relations or bilateral relations. Okay, why do they need to do that? Because we need to have Congress or Senate vote on renewing uh, sanctions against Russia and also pressuring the European Union to... Do the same. Okay, so this helps in that effort, okay? And the U.K. is already doing this Russia-phobia thing quite heavily, uh, blaming Russia for everything. This is standard practice as well uh, in in the U.K. So the U.S. and the U.K. are completely in lockstep. So renewed sanctions, this is part of the agenda. This feeds into this agenda. Uh, the next one is to renew defense budgets, specifically NATO budgets and spending commitments. Very important. Okay, so to do that, we need to amp up the threat. We need to inflate the size of the enemy and uh, get people to think in terms of uh, uh, threat levels, battening down the hatches. We need to spend more money, etc. Europe's under threat. That's that's an important talking point that comes directly out of this Russian hack uh, hysteria program. So the next one is the injection of new budgets for cyber security, okay? This will be similar to the what they call the DHS Renaissance, which was the biggest gravy train uh, in federal spending history, uh, which is the Department of Homeland Security gravy train post 9-11. They want to do the same thing. So this is meant to be like kind of a cyber 9-11. This is what the Russian hack hysteria is. It's the same as 9-11, although it's a virtual. It's imaginary, but it will still basically trigger... Uh, huge amounts of spending. So this injecting new money into the new cyber threat, and then add on the Chinese threat, and they are also talking up the Iranian cyber threat. Uh, whether they these exist or not, in real terms, um, it's difficult to say. Uh, but I would think the, the 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 most amount of hacking and espionage uh, between countries uh, certainly is goes on on the corporate sphere, corporate intelligence uh intellectual property theft this this is the biggest thing and financial uh insider trading and so forth that's the biggest uh, one of the biggest areas of hacking uh, between countries uh not specifically countries targeting each other's infrastructure although I'm sure I'm sure that this is also a possibility of a threat however uh in this case they're really pulling the ultimate card which is that they are Russia's threatening U.S. democracy. So this is going to trigger. But what the, what this new cyber renaissance will be for cybersecurity, this is opening the door for a Stasi-like uh, subversive internal sabotage agencies that basically are complete operating illegally uh, under the letter of national security who basically are given new license to do even more malicious things. This is where this will ultimately lead. Without a doubt, if you give the federal government too much secretive power uh, in terms of under the letter of cybersecurity, well, they can pretty much get away with anything. Uh, so, And also, this is going to trigger a cyber media complex, just like the uh, DHS triggered a whole. There's there's tons of Department of Homeland Security uh, publications, columnists. Um, it, it's a whole new source of news. And the same with the green journalism, you know, so post Al Gore uh, when global warming, uh, the, that PR campaign was really ramped up in 2004, 2005, you saw a proliferation of green journalists and whole industries sprouting out of this new threat. So we see the same thing with the cyber threat. That's going to be uh, probably a feature to look at. So and also to legalize uh, and if we already have laws that are being rammed through the House, uh, they've already they're already passing through the European parliament which isn't really a democratic in, uh, institution it's a it's a quasi um, democratic institution it's not it doesn't have real uh, uh, representatives in terms of li- like a normal parliament let's say but they're pushing through this domestic uh, counter propaganda measures uh, to fight the Russian threat to fight Russian propaganda etc okay so what that is they say it's counter propaganda. But what they what it really is, is just license to do more government propaganda. That's all it is. <laughs> so, but then that's the cyber media, the cyber government media complex, which is now forming. Um, very dangerous indeed, and this does open the door to some very nasty uh, activity. Uh, very, the antithesis, antithesis of of any sort of. Uh, normal functioning democratic uh, constitutional republican uh, government, federal government again out of control. The next thing is after NATO spending leads to EU military integration. Uh, What is that? That's the fallback position for the EU for NATO. Uh, Basically the European military integration project is integrating European military forces from the main countries and who's behind this Uh, Behind this, you'll find American companies, Lockheed, Boeing, Raytheon, uh, essentially a corporate takeover of large sections of the European military industrial complex. Okay, so that is not theoretical. That is uh, absolutely fact. This is happening. It's been happening for years. This feeds into the elevation of a Russian threat. So these are some of the big beneficiaries are American companies. There's a few British and French and uh, German defense contractors. But overall, the lion's share of this goes to the United States corporate military industrial complex. Okay, so and in in addition to countermeasures, we have censorship. So with the fake news crisis, Facebook is now teaming up with uh, Snopes, a so-called fact checking website, which isn't very good at checking any facts. Uh, NBC, uh, The New York Times, people like this. Uh, forming this grand coalition to basically uh, rid the world of the scourge of fake news, when in fact what this is is about censoring uh, and limiting access to major social media platforms for independent news producers. That's all it is, okay? And they're using this Russian hack, hoax, and to demonize or marginalize uh, uh, Russian media or any alternative media, uh, which the Washington Post has already tr- uh, promoted a blacklist of 200 plus websites uh, which are supposedly uh, plotting with the with Vladimir Putin to undermine American democracy uh, so you can go ahead and look that up that's not a theory by the way the Washington Post uh, is doing that so and this is also to deflect uh, the mainstream media's complete epic failure and breakdown uh, in during the u.s elections Uh That is, People should be looking, there should be a a self-reflection moment right now uh, in American democracy about really how corrupt the party system is. All the information that was leaked uh, and all these emails, Podesta, DNC leaks, this all shows systemic corruption. And even individuals who are key players in that corruption, many of whom have not been fired, most of whom still have their jobs in mainstream media and some in politics. Um, this is a huge problem. And I think a lot of people voted for Donald Trump probably because they saw that as a systemic corrupt uh, failure and condition that's affecting American government, and they didn't want any part of it. This is why they cast their protest vote for Donald Trump. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with Vladimir Putin, okay? Uh, this has everything to do with America and American uh, democracy, uh, career politicians, uh, Washington's systemic corruption. Uh, this needs to be addressed. And what what a convenient scapegoat to blame everything on a uh, country, uh, you know, 6,000 miles away, uh, on all your problems. And then you don't have to look and fix anything. So this is a great deflection. It, it gets the mainstream media out of jail uh, because they were pretty much in, damned and indicted for their role in collusion with the Democratic Party completely favoring one candidate and playing a whole raft of dirty tricks and also with the power of the president and the White House really behind them, almost giving license to all this. Okay, so that's that you can't ignore, that this is what we see. So the bottom line is the White House and the Democrats, if you really look at who created this story and all these, this letter from the White House and this announcement from the uh, Office of National Intelligence? This really looks like a political uh, creation. They, to date, no evidence has been presented. Nothing. Not a, not a bit of evidence. Only uh, circumstantial, highly speculative uh, analyses and basically guesswork. Okay. So it seems to me like the one who tried to interfere in the U.S. election process is the White House and its party, the Democratic Party, and those operatives. Um, They seem to uh, – using this basically as a justification to challenge the uh, voter recounts, the electoral college, uh, to question the legitimacy of election results. Uh, not accepting the results of a presidential election uh, and really aggressively trying to interrupt the U.S. election process. One party, given the full backing and really, well, leading from behind uh, President Obama quietly um, endorsing all this and just sort of subtly pushing it along the track. Okay. This conspiracy theory about the great Russian hack. So it looks like one party is in the establishment, the same one that lied to the American people, the same media complex that lied all the way through the election process. Uh, They're the ones interfering by creating, whipping this whole whole thing up, inflating it like a bubble. This is one party, one group of people within the party uh, in power influential elite establishment people working together colluding to interfere with the u.s election process not the russians if you really look at this when the when the dust settles and you do the post-mortem on this you'll see that this is what's happened so we're going to look at uh let's look at some of the uh some of the protagonists uh here and uh Let's first look at the at the president. We're going to play a few audio clips uh, for you. And the first one, we'll go. We'll start with the the president himself. So we'll work with the politicians first, and then we'll go to the news anchors, and then we'll go to the experts who validate the news anchors. So this is the daisy chain of how consensus reality is formed, and we'll, it, it's just extraordinary what some of these people are saying. And this is basically. I, I believe it. This works to brainwash uh, large sections of the American population. So this is a uh, Obama this is Obama Russian intel. Obama Russo, Russo intel. Uh, this clip. So this is President Obama basically saying, you know, that the, kind of the Russians are behind it, and he keeps but he keeps flip flopping and changes mind. But this is Obama Russo intel. Uh, go ahead and listen to this.
4: The intelligence that I've seen gives me great confidence in their assessment that the Russians carried out this hack. Not much happens in Russia without Vladimir Putin.
2: So so, so Putin controls everything in Russia, so he's sitting there. He must be a busy guy because uh, he has to have his hands on all the livers. Uh, so, again, boiling the whole country of Russia uh, and all the many millions of people who live there and all the many... Hundreds of thousands of people work in the civil service and government, boiling it down to one guy, Vladimir Putin. That's an easy narrative to manage, uh, even though it's not probably not true. And so but Obama has has flip flopped back and forth constantly uh, on this. And maybe this is because he's doing what he does best, which is basically uh, leading uh, leading from behind. But um, li- listen to this is Obama flip flopping. And it's just give you a taste of he's how he's just constantly changing his position on this in order to basically keep his exit strategy on this conspiracy theory so he can basically escape uh, from this. So he he'll be Obama's been brilliant throughout his presidency of ginning things up and then once once the once everything gets whipped up into a frenzy, whether that's like race riots on the streets or uh, or the, the North Korean hack. Uh, there's another hack conspiracy theory that North Korea was hacking the U.S. or hacking Sony Pictures. I think this was in uh, late uh, 2014. That was all the rage. Remember the film, the interview with Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco and that whole thing. So that there was another big hacking uh, uh, conspiracy theory that never never panned out very well. But here, here's Obama flip-flopping anyway. Um, Making sure he's covering his his backside. Listen to this. Obama flip-flop.
4: Russia is isolated with its economy in tatters. Russia is a major military. The second most powerful military in the world. Russia is a regional power. Russia is an important country. It is a military superpower. They are a smaller country. They are a weaker country. Their economy doesn't produce anything that anybody wants to buy except oil and gas and (laughs) arms.
2: Yeah, if only that was true. But (laughs) So, again, trying to reduce Russia down uh, to sort of this... uh, a uh, little country that uh, is only interested in hacking into U.S. affairs, and all they do is produce oil. So there, there's your president of the United States. Um, a little bit embarrassing, but... So, so listening to that, and then here's what uh, President Barack Obama said on October 18th. Uh, this was before the election, and he was basically chastising Donald Trump for even considering that there's any possibility that an American election can be hacked or uh, somehow uh, you know subverted uh, by whatever means and he's just wrote it off as a ridiculous theory and that Donald Trump should stop whining and uh, and if uh, if he won then Hillary Clinton would be uh, gracious in her concessions and why is why is Trump complaining believe it or not this is exactly what uh, uh, Barack Obama said before the election. And now you, you contrast that to how they're carrying on now, uh, blaming the Russians for throwing the election. It's ridiculous. This is why uh, Barack Obama has such low credibility. Uh, when he gets caught out, this guy always uh, puts his foot in his mouth. It's, so many times I've lost count. Uh, where he's been cocky. and he's, he's So here he is grandstanding in the Rose Garden, Uh, With uh, some foreign dignitary next to him uh, being really cocky uh, You know, it's embarrassing really Um, Not presidential at all and what he says is amazing (laughs) because he's a complete hypocrite. Listen to this
4: I have never seen in my lifetime or in modern political history uh, Any presidential candidate trying to discredit the elections and the election process before votes have even taken place. I'd advise Mr. Trump to stop whining and go try to make his case to get votes. And if he got the most votes, then it would be my expectation of Hillary Clinton to offer a gracious concession speech and pledge to work with him in order to make sure that the American people benefit from an effective government and it would be my job to welcome Mr. Trump regardless of what he said about me or my differences with him on my opinions and escort him over to the capital in which there would be a peaceful transfer of power. That's what Americans do.
2: There he is, the great philosopher king, the great philosopher king once again talking down to people, giving them a lecture. Yep, that's what he said. There it is. There's the president. Uh, there's not much more we can say, really. <laughs> it speaks for itself. Uh, so so here's John Podesta, okay? So he's on Chuck Todd. So this is Podesta Chuck Roos. Okay. And John Podesta was Hillary Clinton's campaign manager. And he's been front-running ever since the election results came out. Uh, and they lost. Um, he's been front-running Uh, A, He's been front running this Russian hacking conspiracy theory, and he's also been trying to uh, nudge uh, electoral voters who voted uh, recently in the Electoral College and the liberal elites uh, led by uh, Martin Sheen and uh, many Hollywood celebrities uh, tried to tell the Electoral College people that they should vote their conscience. Instead of the will of their state, they should change their mind when they go to cast their electoral ballot uh, and, and don't let you know Donald Trump into the White House, basically. So they 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 pump this thing up to make people think that there was a chance that they could steal back the election by uh, getting people to reverse their state electoral um, delegate votes uh, in the Electoral College won't get into how the Electoral College works. But uh Essentially, the popular vote determines what state electors will go to their national um, uh, electoral college voting on December 19th. And they'll cast their ballot based on the will of the people of their state um, majority rules. So anyway, this is John Podesta. So this we will roll this. This is Podesta and Chuck, Chuck Todd talking about Russia. Roll it.
5: Let me start with this question: Do you believe this was a free and fair election? Well, look, I think the Russians
6: clearly intervened in the election. You didn't answer the question. Do you believe this was a free and fair election? Well, I think it was. Uh, I think it was distorted by the Russian intervention. Let's put it that way. Do you think Donald Trump's win was legitimate?
7: You know, the election is was tainted by this uh, intrusion.
2: Okay, so that's so. John Podesta um, is. Completely mad. Okay, he ran one of the worst presidential campaigns in history of modern presidential campaigning. Basically, he had he ran against the most unpopular uh, nominee with zero political experience, Donald Trump. Okay, and he had Hollywood behind him. He had the entire mainstream media behind him. He had every newspaper endorsing his candidate, Hillary Clinton. He had all the major networks behind him except Fox, except one. Um, he had a billion-dollar war chest. They they blew, a, they blew a billion dollars on Hillary Clinton, basically making negative ads against Donald Trump. So in, instead of communicating with the American people why Hillary Clinton was a better choice in 2016, uh, they spent all of their time and energy saying why Donald Trump is a bad choice. Okay, and all that did was just re-motivate uh, probably Trump supporters and voters. Uh, they created a siege mentality that ensured that Donald Trump was uh, going to be defended uh, virtuously by his support base. John Podesta, an epic failure as a campaign manager. Epic failure. So instead of looking at how bad he did and all the horrible decisions he made, he's trying to scapegoat Russia uh, for taking the election away from Hillary Clinton. So th- it's it's an incredible scene, uh, but that's what it is. So th- then he's backed up by other Democratic Party luminaries who are talking equal insanity, uh, Harry Reid. Harry Reid, here's one uh, that we, uh, he, he going on about Vladimir Putin. So roll this, this is uh, Harry Reid going on about Vladimir Putin, former Democratic Party leader. Uh, totally senile. Roll it.
8: And the answer is clearly yes. And his having been former head of the KGB, does that surprise you? And does it surprise anybody today when he denied it?
2: Wow. So you know, Harry, Harry Reid lost his mind a couple of years ago, but he's still, I, I think he's on his way out or he's 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 out. Um, I think he'll be out of office this in a couple of weeks or whatever. He's retiring, thank God. Um, so, but a lot of these old buzzards, um, they're, they're, they, they still hold a lot of power in their party. Nancy Pelosi is another old buzzard. Um, she might even be older than Harry Reid, actually. But she's had so many facelifts and dyed her hair, um, you know, so you can't tell that she's pushing 80. But um, they, they're all pushing this Russian conspiracy theory. And you have people like Adam Schiff, uh, Democratic uh, Hawk. Um, He's pushing it pretty hard. Uh, The Russians did it. And then there's another guy, Chris Coons. He's another Democrat uh, in in Congress. And here's another person pushing this. Chris Coons. uh, Listen to this. Roll that.
9: Well,
7: first, uh, Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote, so the idea that he was overwhelmingly elected I think sort of flies in the face of the recent record. But more importantly, uh, Donald Trump alone among modern candidates for president refused, steadfastly refused to release his taxes. So we have no idea what the scope of his conflicts of interest might be, uh, whether some of his major development projects were financed by Russian oligarchs or whether he owes a significant amount of money to banks in China, and in the absence of knowing that, I think it's hard for the general public uh, to assess whether or not he's got conflicts of interest that are impacting decisions he makes in foreign policy, particularly where someone like President-elect Trump takes such an unorthodox stance towards Russia, uh, breaking with 70 years of Republican Party orthodoxy in suggesting that we should just turn a blind eye towards his invasion of Ukraine, his occupation of Crimea, his aggression in Syria, uh, and his coddling of Iran and support for terrorism. I frankly think um, it's a question that most Americans would like an answer to regardless of whether or not they voted for him in the election so-,
2: so that's there's a Democrat basically lecturing Republicans on what their orthodoxy is so he's saying I can't believe Donald Trump's breaking 70 years of orthodoxy of Republican uh, hate towards Russia or so the Soviet Union you know news flash for some of these people the Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore okay that the system broke up uh, in, in 1990, 1989, 1990, 1991. So, and the KGB doesn't exist anymore. It's been broken up, and the term is the FSB. That's a newsflash. A lot of people in Washington missed this part of history class, um, so we have to remind them that Russia is a fairly young country, uh, 25 years. Huge fundamental changes in the structure of government and society, uh, it's really only been going for 25 years, okay? Uh, so you know, give it, give it some time. Uh, so, but lecturing the orthodoxy, we must be enemies uh, with the Soviet Union or Russia. It's the same for these people. Um, that that's interesting, and we see that theme popping up again and again, uh, and again. And so. The worst of these is probably John McCain. And you heard Chris Coons there, uh, Democrat Chris Coons, basically saying uh, Russia invaded the Ukraine and invaded Crimea. Okay. Factually, both those statements are incorrect. Okay. They're factually incorrect. But this is being repeated over and over in in, in the way that Goebbels loves you know, if Goebbels were alive today, he would just be absolutely in—he would be wonderment, dazzled by the Washington propaganda machine uh, that we can even get our elected representatives. Some of them actually have university degrees uh, to believe things that didn't happen. Russia did not invade the Ukraine, okay, and Russia did not invade Crimea, okay. So we can get—we can explain why. That is, uh, we have done a 21st century war, and most people who know uh, history or follow geopolitics and geography, they know that this is the case. But again, most Americans aren't very good at geography, um, let alone geopolitics or history, even their own history, uh, they struggle with. Okay, so um, but so here's McCain, John McCain, who just got reelected to Senate, one of the biggest tragedies um, in political uh, history this year, uh, John McCain, who should have retired, ran for another office. And when you watch him on TV, he literally looks like he's on death death's door. Okay, I, this guy looks so bad; he should have basically called it a day. Okay, I don't know how he'll how old he'll be when he serves out this this term. Probably eighty four or eighty two or something like that. I mean, he's probably about seventy eight now. Um, he looks terrible. Okay. He's literally literally looks like he's falling apart. So, And he is just an old curmudgeon in the nastiest way. Uh, insane. McCain insane. This is this clip. Uh, listen to this. This is John McCain. When asked about the Russian hack uh, and so forth, what we should do, how should we respond. Listen to this uh, McCain insane. Roll it.
3: To uh, Republican Senator John McCain, outline his concerns about Tillerson. Listen to this.
8: Anybody who's a friend of Vladimir Putin must disregard the fact that Vladimir Putin is a murderer, a thug, a KGB agent whose uh, airplanes, as we uh, speak, have been targeting with precision weapons hospitals in Aleppo who have committed atrocities uh, throughout the region and uh, has destabilized Ukraine has invaded Ukraine, destabilizing, trying to destabilize Baltic countries, and the list goes on and on.
2: Tell us- so everything everything that John McCain just said there is a lie, basically. You can go right down the list of everything he said, one lie after another. Russia's targeting hospitals uh, in Syria. Uh, Russia's trying to de- de- destabilize the Ukraine. I think America and the EU destabilized the Ukraine, if uh, history serves me correct. Uh, just ask Victoria Newland and uh, Russia trying to destabilize the Baltic countries. That's an interesting one. I haven't heard that before. Uh, meanwhile, NATO is pressing right up against Russia's border in those very Baltic countries. So who's attempting to destabilize who? John McCain. And Vladimir Putin's a murdering thug. So he's, he murders people. So I don't know. These are things that John McCain says uh, as fact. And uh, but then he he's then backtracking two days later, and uh, apparently, McCain did the rounds and basically said the same script I just played you there on a number of networks, and he probably got some pushback for it. And people said, John, you know, you know, cool it down, John. You know, take a take a chill pill, uh, John. You know, go work it out on the golf course. So here he is a couple of days later. Um, backtracking a little bit and calming down a little bit so he must have given him a tranquilizer and uh, washed it down with a uh, glass of uh, teachers or something like that so here's McCain fact this is, here's McCain backtracking but st- still stating what he believes are facts listen to this guy
8: I see no evidence that the election would have been different but that doesn't change the fact that the Russians and others, Chinese to a lesser degree, have been able to interfere with our electoral...
2: Okay, there's John McCain uh, giving us a lecture on what's fact, I guess. So, uh, okay, so he's lost his mind, um, suffice to say. And uh, John Kerry is also backpedaling as well. Here's, Here's Kerry backpedaling on the hack. He was asked this during an Aleppo press conference a couple of days ago and this was his answer. So, a dissension amongst the ranks. Some people are looking for the exit basically. Listen to John Kerry. Roll this. Kerry backpedaling on hack.
10: Mr. Secretary, do response to reports that Putin himself was directly involved in, in election related attacks? Um, do you think the administration should have come out before the election more boldly about, with hard intelligence, about these attacks?
0: Well, let me, uh, look, uh, I am not going to start making comments at this point. I haven't commented on this uh, publicly because of the job I do. But let me say today that I'm not going to comment on anonymous reports from intelligence uh, uh officials that are not identified that have quotes around the concept of intelligence officials. I I just am not going to comment on that. But let me comment very specifically on your sort of question about earlier folks. uh, We sat in the Situation Room, I remember, in the White House with the President of the United States and the President made the decision based on the input that was carefully, carefully vetted by the intelligence community and presented to everybody. Uh, that he did have an obligation to go out to the country and give a warning. Uh, and he did so. Back in, back in October, the President authorized the Director of National Intelligence to and, – and, and the Department of Homeland Security together to make a very clear statement to this nation, to our nation. And they said unequivocally that they assessed with high confidence – it's what we said in October – with high confidence that the Russian government directed compromises of emails from U.S. institutions, including political organizations, and that these thefts and disclosures were intended to interfere with our election process. So the President understood and made clear it's a serious matter. It was a serious matter then. It's a serious matter now as even more information comes out. I'm not going to comment on it further except to say that people need to remember that the President issued a warning, but he had to be obviously sensitive to not being viewed as interfering on behalf of a candidate or against the candidate or in a way that promoted um, <coughs> unrealistic assessments about what was happening. I think the President did that. And now we have to get at the facts, and I'm confident we will in the months ahead. Thank you all very much.
2: Yeah, that was a that was a, a, a cleverly planted question uh, by. And the media works very well with the government and planting. They look like spontaneous questions, but H- Kerry had that answer rehearsed, and they uh, cleverly made it seem like it was a spontaneous question. But John Kerry, basically covering his uh, backside, is well on that. And so he mentioned James Clapper. And how this all got started, and so who who tendered his resignation after the election, November nineteenth, James Clapper head a uh, director of U.S. intelligence, tenders his resignation. So, and you know what we said at the time was like like CIA director John Brennan, uh, a large part of the job of uh, someone like James Clapper, uh, national intelligence director, his one of his jobs like Brennan. Uh, these people have never been such media starlets as they have in the last few years. They've changed their role from sort of behind the scenes doing diligent work to basically running all these press junkets all the time. So they're now in the world of, of illusions and the hall of mirrors that's the media. And basically like Brennan, the large part of his job, Clapper, was to lie to the American people and continually exaggerate certain threats. And doing this while trying to Conceal real problems, real issues, and most of most of which are created by, let's face it, U.S. federal agencies and this giant bureaucracy that is completely out of control and for the most part, totally unaccountable. Okay, so like the CIA, uh, this position, director of national intelligence, has become a political position. And, you know, it's, it's basically a government propaganda mouthpiece. Uh, for the deep state and all its uh, domestic and foreign clandestine programs, and uh, let's just look at James Clapper for a minute. He resigned. The reason he left is because he's he was basically being he realized he was being used uh, by the White House, by Brennan, by other members, uh, the liberal elite establishment, the Never Trumpers, uh, to basically create this Russian hack hoax. This is what I believe. This is my opinion. Um, and I think the evidence supports it. But look, back in 2013, when Senator Ron Wyden, a Democrat from Oregon, he asked James Clapper, point blank, said, does the NSA collect any type of data on all uh, millions of or hundreds of millions of Americans? Clapper's response, point blank, was no. No, sir, he said. So basically, he lied under oath. Right there on national TV, on C-SPAN, whatever you want to call it. Okay, that was a flat out lie under oath. Okay, and you know which seems to be the norm for most testimonies uh, under the last eight years of Obama under oath. Everybody, it's okay to lie. They they all do it, and so in, this the Russia and its president Vladimir Putin had somehow hacked the U.S. elections. This is the biggest politicized. Mot- politically motivated phony uh, di- di- information warfare campaign probably uh, under Clapper's uh, tutelage and never offering a- any evidence whatsoever to back up the claim of this uh, so-called intelligence community. All it is is a claim. Okay. Now, Clapper claimed that the leaked emails posted on WikiLeaks and DNC Leaks or DCLeaks.com. And Guccifer 2.0, he said, we're identified, listen to this, identified as being associated with Russian intelligence. Okay. Even though most of us in the sober world uh, have come to realize that this uh, grand conspiracy uh, more likely originated within the White House. And perhaps someone in the DNC itself has leaked uh, information uh, to WikiLeaks or to whoever. And so we also have this interview, Craig Murray, former British ambassador to, I think, Uzbekistan, uh, basically says that he met the DNC leaks person in Washington, D.C., uh, cloak and dagger style on a park bench. He's, he's on record saying this, and he works with, well, apparently, uh, it's not confirmed by Assange, but he works with WikiLeaks, it does Craig Murray. Uh, so Craig Murray, whistleblower. Uh, former ambassador, British ambassador, uh, knows a lot about the uh, the uh, trade craft of the spy game. He he said on record that the, it's definitely not the Russians who leaked this, and it was leaked from inside or the political establishment, the democratic establishment. Um, allegedly, it seems all indications are this is because of people who did not like the non-democratic practices of the party uh, by basically destroying the Bernie Sanders campaign could be uh, the motivation for the leak, okay? So he's on record as well. But anyway, these are two big black marks against James Clapper. And I think Clapper realized that, you know, his position has been overly politicized, has nothing to do with intelligence, everything, everything to do with politics, and he basically said, I'm out of here. And he wanted to get out, really get out of office before the heat um, really ramps up. So, you know, it's kind of indicative of the way Washington works um, these days. So, anyway, when are these people going to stand up for all the numerous constitutional violations of uh, federal agencies and blanket spying and data theft and so forth by agencies like the NSA. Uh, when is that going to happen? Who knows? Who knows? So, uh, Diane Feinstein. Okay, now let's go to her, uh, Diane Feinstein. Who should know better? Uh, because she was hacked by the CIA. The CIA spent forty million dollars. That's right, forty million dollars uh, hacking Diane Feinstein and the Senate Investigative Committee who were putting together the torture memo. If you if you remember a couple of years ago. Uh, This big document, basically investigation into uh, torture and Guantanamo, waterboarding, etc. Activities by the CIA. The People did not want this report to come out. They were hacked by the CIA. So our own CIA is hacking our own elected officials. Don't you think something's wrong there? They spent $40 million of U.S. taxpayer money to do that. That shows you there's no united front. So here's Dianne Feinstein now. Um, she's she was done with that crisis a couple of years ago. Now she's um, now attacking, wants to get the Russians on their back feet and blame Hillary's loss uh, again on the Russians. Democrat Senator Dianne Feinstein, another one who's uh, way past her expiration date in terms of uh, retirement. Listen to Feinstein here. Let's see what she has to say. Roll this.
3: The line between Russian election hacking and President Vladimir Putin is growing clearer. Sources now telling CNN the U.S. intelligence community has concluded that Putin personally approved cyber attacks on the Democratic political targets with the intent of boosting Donald Trump's candidacy. We're back with Democratic Senator Dianne Feinstein of California. Senator, the President-elect Trump hasn't accepted this U.S. intelligence assessment, as you have, linking Russia directly to the hacks and to the DNC. What does that tell you?
11: Well, it tells me that maybe he hasn't seen the evidence, and that's a later time. Uh, But, um, and whether that will be able to be presented to him or not, I don't know. But um, if you think about it, and you really look at the depth and breadth of this, and the amount of hacking, and the places where they hacked, not only the committees, but the campaigns, not only the presidential campaign, but House campaigns, and what material they, le- they released through WikiLeaks, and what material they didn't release, you can draw certain assumptions. So all of that has to be looked at and analyzed. And it's my belief, because this is going to affect the world. It's going to affect the body politic of this country. And it's going to affect the kind and type of democratic elections we can have. Because if these elections can be skewed by malicious actors, then our democratic system is violated in a major way. And that's my, I have a very big concern about this. And I think that there was intent to disrupt, there was intent to release just to one side. Uh, There was intent uh, from both Fancy Bear and Cozy Bear uh, enough to say, well, this traces right back to Russian intelligence agencies. And once you do that, then who gave the order or who knew about this being done? Now, Russia's interfered in other instances in 2014 in the Ukrainian election, for example. So this has happened before. So that's why you have to get all of the facts of this out. And we are all handcuffed to speak about it because we have to be very careful what we say. And that's a big problem when you talk about this. Uh, I can only say I think the New York Times has done a very good job. I think the the media is trying to do a responsible job. Uh, They are trying to source as best they can the material they get. And I think they realize the seriousness of this.
3: Do you think uh, that uh, 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 Donald Trump, the president-elect, once he becomes president and has all those briefings, the same briefings you're getting would go forward, punish Putin, uh, impose new sanctions, for example, release information the U.S. has collected that would be personally embarrassing to the Russian leader?
11: Well, let me say this. At the very least he would have an opportunity to ask hard questions of the heads of our major intelligence agencies about it. And his people would have that opportunity. From there, he could frame his own judgment.
2: Okay, so there's Dianne Feinstein. Uh, She made a few statements there that could just as well have been attributed to somebody in the U.S., basically saying that uh, this uh, elections have been skewed, OK, and this is our democracy has been violated, OK, and this is going to affect the world, she says, uh, and she blames this on Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear. And this is uh, supposedly the, uh, the, 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 the Russian hackers. They're pinning this on uh, supposedly Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear. You can see the little teddy bear pictures uh, up on our show page right now. Uh, for on the QT, and uh, it's kind (laughs) of comical that Russia would uh, name their hackers, um, give them English names with graphics and so forth uh, just to upset uh, the Americans, of course. Uh, That's why they did it, right? So, So who's really skewing this story? Okay, I'll tell you who's skewing this story. It's not Russia. Russia's not violating the democracy of America. This is being skewed. By, mostly by one political party uh, who lost, who can't accept the fact that they've lost, and they are attempting to violate democracy in this country by basically delegitimizing the Electoral College, one party's community organizing portal called MoveOn.org. This is a Democratic Party uh, organization funded by George Soros, the day after the election, launched a national pet- petition to de- to basically uh, get rid of the electoral college system. So basically, to delegitimize and to scrap the United States constitutional republic system. Okay, that that that's not coming from Russia, ladies and gentlemen. That's coming from the Democratic Party. Okay, that's that is that's beyond. Is Russia launching any petitions? to basically delegitimize the U.S. democratic uh, system. No, the Democratic Party is, however. And there's people that conveniently turned a blind eye to this, and then this basically was part of the street riots that ensued the week after the election. Okay, a lot of this was centrally run by moveon.org. This is a Democratic Party machine uh, online, community organizing portal funded by George Soros. And so here's Diane Feinstein lecturing everybody on Cozy Bear, Fancy Bear, and saying, oh, this is going to affect the world. What's going to affect the world, I'll tell you right now, uh, isn't anything Russia has done to the United States. What's going to affect the world is the collective mass psychosis that is currently affecting uh, what seems to be half of the American population and m- much of its political leadership who are like a bunch of petulant children who can't accept an election result and therefore are going to take a wrecking ball to the U.S. democratic system and to try to delegitimize a democratically elected president. And you also hear the talking point, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. How many times did you hear this? Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by 2.5 million votes, by a substantial margin, blah, blah, blah. And I said this first, and I know that after I had done this analysis um Last month, a lot of people latched on to this, Um, but it seemed to me like common sense, uh, you know, the way the electoral college system is designed uh, is so you can't have a tyranny of a uh, popular vote in terms of you can't So, you know, New York City and Los Angeles alone will not decide the election of the United States of America that were 50 states uh, to form, you know, a perfect union of 50 states. Under a constitution as a republic, okay? Because if it was only on popular vote, then all you would have to do is basically campaign and win, and fix and gerrymander uh, you know six major cities in the United States. and that's it and to hell and screw everybody else. Screw all the people who live out in the countryside, basically. Uh, screw the farmers of America. anybody who doesn't live in a megatropolis doesn't matter. That is called tyranny of the, of the worst order. So you just have to campaign New York City, Philadelphia, uh, Chicago, um, Boston, and uh, Houston, Texas, Los Angeles, and uh, maybe one more city, maybe for good measure. I don't know. Seattle, Tacoma, um, whatever, you know, Portland, so basically all the big cities on the coastal areas and maybe Chicago. And that's it. To hell with everybody else. So that that's because they lost and only because they lost. Because let me tell you, if Hillary Clinton had won in the Electoral College but lost in the popular vote, um, they would basically w- would completely be uh, throwing fits if anybody challenged that result. Okay. So this is the worst type of a sore loser, basically. So this idea that the popular vote somehow should supersede uh, the United States election systems, some people will say that the way it was designed was uh, very smart in that sense. And it's designed to keep the union together, okay, to to keep the United States, the United States of America. Uh, So a little history lesson for everybody out there who thinks to scrap the Electoral College Just because one election result out of many presidential elections uh, didn't go their way, um, that is the worst level of type of tyranny uh, one can imagine. But this is the sort of petty dictators that we have all coming out of the woodwork. So here's the president's press secretary um, who, ironically, his last name is Ernest. Um, So his name is Josh Ernest. And uh, all I can say, he's a complete idiot. Okay. Seems like a nice guy, but it's a total idiot because he's gone hook, hook line, sinker for this, this uh, hysteria. Listen to Josh Earnest. Listen to this guy.
3: An extraordinary uh, briefing that we saw today at the White House. Josh Earnest also arguing forcefully that the whole point of the Russian hacking was to try to hurt Hillary Clinton's chances of winning the election and actually to go ahead and elect Donald Trump. Uh, is that a fair assessment of what you yeah. heard?
12: Yeah, I mean, the White House still wants to be extremely careful with words here. So they don't want to speak specifically to the motivation, because that itself is in question, even within the intelligence community. But what he's speaking to is the impact of the hack, saying that it was clear, and you can kind of draw your own conclusions from that. Here's
10: how he put it.
13: Coverage of the hack and leak operation that Russia carried out was focused on emails from the Democratic Party and Clinton campaign staffers and not the Republican Party and Trump campaign staffers. It wasn't a secret. It's obvious what the impact was. It benefited the Trump campaign and it hurt the Clinton campaign. That's why the Republican nominee was hoping they would do more of it. That's why his staffers We're hoping that they would do more of it. That is why, in the days leading up to Election Day, the Republican nominee himself was encouraging people to check out WikiLeaks.
2: Oh, and they just couldn't take it because what was up on WikiLeaks was damning, okay? And no one's challenged any of the uh, uh, truthfulness or authenticity of any of those leaks, uh, up there on WikiLeaks. OK, what they have done is tried to attack uh, Julian Assange uh, is somehow being uh, in league with uh, Vladimir Putin. So what what uh, both Dianne Feinstein and Josh Ernest, both Democrats, both said, which is a matching talking point which is that uh, the, the, these leaks, uh, the, this isn't fair because the leak was all, was all Democrats um, and Clinton uh, staffers leaks and, and weren't GOP or Donald Trump staff leaks. Uh, maybe, you know, you have to also consider Josh Earnest. You have, in, in earnest, you should consider that uh, maybe they didn't have as much uh, dirt uh, in the GOP or Trump leaks or maybe they weren't breaking the law. Uh, quite as rampantly as the Democrats and the Hillary Clinton campaign, okay? So, or didn't have, she's got her share of, of, of scandals, so many of them. Um, did it ever occur to you or Diane Feinstein that that might be uh, more of an issue? So they're basically trying to say, well, we, we, they leaked us, but they didn't leak them. It's not fair, you know, crying and kicking and screaming once again. And so, so here's Bill Clinton, okay? This is William Jefferson Clinton. Uh, I have to remind people he was once president of the United States, although it seems like a millennial ago. Um, this guy's completely fallen to pieces over this. Uh, he really thought he was going to be waltzing through the White House right now, as uh, or come January, and uh, pull out his uh, cigar case uh, once again in the Oval Office and have his wicked way. Uh, so he was really hoping and banking on this. And uh, so it didn't happen, unfortunately. So here's Bill Clinton. This is uh, Mr. Hillary Clinton. Bill uh, on the Russians. Total denial. Roll this. This is really sad.
0: Never cast a vote I was prouder of. You know, I watched her work for two years. I watched her through that bogus email deal, the vindicated at the end when Secretary Powell came out. She fought through that. She fought through everything. And she prevailed against it all. But, she, you know, then with the end we had the Russians and the, and the FBI deal. But she couldn't prevail against that. But she did everything else and still won by 2.8 million votes. What, the I'm very she, proud she of we guys. We, we got right. rush.
2: Oh, did you hear that? She didn't prevail against the Russians. Didn't prevail against the FBI letter. So I blame it all on the Russians and the FBI, Bill Clinton. So this is the same Bill Clinton who basically was making fun of uh, Donald Trump's wife uh, the night before the election, laughing at her. I never felt so sorry in my life for anybody when I saw that Melania Trump. You know, the, he, he was so cocky, this guy. And uh, they were just basically uh, <laughs> really picking uh, fun at uh, Donald Trump's wife. You know, which is a bit rich of Bill Clinton uh, to be uh, chastising uh, women. But um, and here he is now basically crying Russia, crying Russia. And so they're blaming the FBI. They're blaming Russia, blaming James Comey, not blaming what a horrible campaign they ran. And really not blaming Bill Clinton himself because he's one of the worst uh, parts of the, uh, the Hillary campaign. And uh, here, I'll, I'll tell you why Hillary lost in a second. But here's Hillary. She made up now another conspiracy theory, which is she says that Vladimir Putin did this to her because uh, he has a personal beef with her that went back to uh, 2011. This is Hillary's um, latest leg of the conspiracy theory that here, here's the modus uh, the motive uh, why Putin wanted to take uh, take down Hillary in favor of uh, of Donald Trump. It just gets more ridiculous the more of these people double down on this narrative uh, of this official conspiracy theory. Uh, it, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Listen to this. This is Hillary's personal beef with Putin.
3: It keeps blaming either James Comey, the FBI director, or Putin. In fact, she met with donors last night in New York uh, and listen to how she blamed Putin for her unsuccess.
10: We're all- learning more every day about the unprecedented Russian plot to swing this election. And this is something every American should be worried about. You know, we we have to recognize
11: that, as the latest
10: reports made clear, Vladimir Putin himself directed the covert cyber attacks against our electoral system, against our democracy, apparently because he has a personal beef against me.
3: So what do you think uh, when she talks like that about Putin is really, together with Comey, to, to blame for her a failure? Clearly that's her, you know... Example A and example B of of why she lost right
7: now. There's no doubt that that is what is coming out of uh, Hillary Clinton's mouth and and her team. I would just say, though, there again, we saw a slight difference with President Obama. He uh, separated out the electoral system, meaning how, as you were saying, the votes are counted from the democracy. She combined them together there. Uh, Barack Obama said he told Vladimir Putin to cut it out and that he was proud that it didn't impact the electoral system. She didn't seem to.
2: Okay, so so this also brings us to another point. So, yeah, she's Hillary's trying to consolidate all the conspiracy theories now into a new one uh, to sort of back up this whole uh, narrative, basically. And so so here's here's Wolf Blitzer also. So he's got someone from the Trump transition team. And notice how manipulative And this shows you how manipulative people like Wolf Blitzer are. So we're getting to the news anchors now. Um, But listen to this. This is Wolf manipulating uh, Trump uh, transition team uh, person. And he's basically trying to put words in his mouth. And so they're now saying, why won't Donald Trump accept the findings of our great intelligence agencies? This is generally what Wolf Blitzer does is how dare you question the CIA, um, obviously. How dare you question the agency that feeds us all of our uh, talking points and news script, uh, says, says Wolf Blitzer. But uh, yeah, so this is Wolf Manipulates Trump Team. Listen to this. This is how Wolf Blitzer, this is how CNN operates, how they try to manipulate um, the words or to to direct people who come on the show uh, to make them say things or to give a certain impression that basically to reinforce the propaganda that CNN is managing uh, on behalf probably the CIA, the Pentagon or or all the above. Uh, Who knows? But listen to this clip
0: and to uh, John Podesta. So uh, there's still a question to me if there was any interference in the election, particularly any motivation or, or suggestion of a uh, results but changing. But you
3: believe the Russians did hack the uh, DNC and uh, the Clinton campaign chairman, uh, John Podesta. They then released all those emails to WikiLeaks to embarrass Hillary Clinton's campaign and the Democrats. You believe that, right? Well, I don't know what their motivation may have been, and I don't know that it was the Russians and
0: to uh, John Okay Diff-
2: so so do you see that so this this is basically what blitzer does let's just look why hillary lost okay so there's a mass denial collective insanity uh in the me- it's is totally media generated okay and so and by the way uh, some members of congress have asked to be briefed on this and cia uh, is refusing to brief congress uh, for with specifics on this, that tells me that uh, there are no specifics And this. I believe this is according to Peter King, uh, in uh, co- Congressman Peter King um, from New York. So they're not briefing. So it seems like the C- members of the CIA, certain elements within the CIA, are acting on their own uh, volition, uh, pushing, just nudging this thing out, uh, very vague. Accusations and so forth, and uh, there's even if they've even got another spinoff that uh, uh, the IT the IT desk at the Democratic National Party was contacted by the FBI, but they wouldn't return their call, and the FBI uh, was actually looking in on this. And John Podesta, uh, someone tried to do a phishing attack on his email or his Gmail account, and he he fell for it. Um, and so forth, you know, so they have all these sort of invented excuses that they're pushing out to sort of confuse and cloud uh, the issue in the media, okay? So they're saying this is because of a phishing attack, uh, uh, whatever, James Comey, uh, Anthony Weiner, uh, this was put out, uh, and this ruined the Clinton campaign the week before the election. Then there's the Russian conspiracy theory, Um, But the fact of the matter is this, okay? The Russians did not cast any votes in Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida, North Carolina, and Arizona. These were all battleground states which Hillary Clinton uh, campaigned in and against Donald Trump, and she lost all of those key battleground states. That is why Hillary Clinton lost the election. She went head-to-head with another candidate, and she lost. Pennsylvania, Ohio, Florida, North Carolina, Arizona— Those are all key battleground states. Both candidates campaigned in, and she lost. Okay. That is why probably she lost the election. I would say that was one of the main points. Okay. The popular vote argument, pretty ridiculous after the fact. But uh, the Obama administration, okay, Obama admitted this much, by the way. So listen to this by President Obama. This is Obama on uh, uh, NPR talking about demographics. See, finally, yesterday, yesterday, Barack Obama, after all this Russian conspiracy theorizing, he's also backing off of the original conspiracy theory, now admitting that maybe, maybe the Democrats just don't have the mojo uh, in all 50 states. Listen to this. Here's the dear leader. Democratic voters uh, are clustered
4: in urban areas. So and on the coasts, And yeah. on the coasts, And so as a consequence, You've got a situation where there are not only entire states, but also big chunks of states where uh, if we're not showing up, if we're not in there making an argument, then uh, then we're going to lose. And we can lose badly, and that's what happened in this
2: election. Okay, there it is, from the mouth of the dear leader. Okay, And uh, so, meanwhile, you have... Um, you know, the delusional, unfortunately, I'm not picking on Democrats and I don't really care much for any of the political parties, quite frankly. But they're pinning their hopes on Joe Biden, who will be 77 years old uh, when the next election rolls around. That's a bit of a laugh. Uh, so they're doubling down on the delusion already. Why not run Hillary? You know, she'll only be 74. So she's, you know, compared to Biden, the advantage in youth, I guess. Maybe she can blow another billion dollars on uh, TV ads. Why not? Good for all of uh, Bill's friends on uh, Madison Avenue. They end up getting all that money, by the way. Advertising agencies do. Just to let everybody know who owned the advertising agencies. They do very well out of these elections. Um, I think people should go and look in that direction. So Servergate, here's why Hillary lost. She lost the battleground states. Servergate, which would came out of Benghazi, okay? Her involvement in Libya, which underscores her total failure in the debacle that was the Hillary Clinton Secretary of State tenure. Okay, she is the uh, architect of the collapse of Libya and also the early architect of the takedown of Syria. Okay, that's a fact. Uh, Hillary Clinton fronted the Friends of Syria road tour through the Arab League countries to drum up support for basically regime change uh, in Syria. And these are the same states who are funding and backing uh, and arming the so-called rebels who are mostly terrorists in Syria. Okay, that's Hillary Clinton basically front-running all that. Okay, and we wrote extensively about that at 21st Century Wire uh, with regards to Hillary in Syria and Libya. Uh, You'll see articles about her, uh, about Syria and Libya during the elections. Uh, We lay that out. Clinton Foundation, hugely corrupt, absolutely pay to play. The tobacco that is Haiti—it's uh, not a success story. It's a failure, and the Clintons were basically have their their dirty paws all over the the country of Haiti. Okay, a huge gravy train. Uh, Clinton chief of staff Cheryl Mills uh, was in charge of USAID. Was in charge of handing out U.S. government contracts uh, for uh, Haiti. So the money, uh, you know, coming through the USAID and going out to friends of Bill, basically. Uh, and what do they do? Nothing on the ground in Haiti, pocket all the money, 90% of the money or most of the money anyway, not 90%, but, but the majority of it, I would, I would assume ends up in U S bank accounts and they do some projects on the ground in Haiti. Most of which are like private prisons, industrial parks that, that nobody's going to use, uh, all sorts of things. Nice little projects. Good, good way to earn money. If you're in that little clique of the Clinton foundation and, uh, Cheryl Mills at USAID, and so the other th- reason she lost is because of Bill. Bill's like the anvil. You ever watched Wiley Coyote Roadrunner? They tie the anvil and they they, they throw it off the cliff, and then you know uh, Road or whoever goes down the cliff. I think Wiley Coyote, um, the anvil. Bill is the anvil. Bill you tie Bill to Hillary, and it goes straight to the bottom. It's his, her biggest asset has been her husband. Because he's been president and she's been basically by his side getting all this so-called experience as first lady that she's campaigning on the back of. But really her biggest Achilles heel is Bill as well. So, you know, it, that, that's probably a big part of why she lost. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, then there's her screeching voice, the arrogance. We came, we saw he died. These are horrible things Uh, that Hillary Clinton said Then she called half of America deplorable. That's going to probably hurt your chances, really, uh, in winning the election when you do things like that. And also the insistence by her campaign, by the Democratic Party of shoving uh, identity politics down the throats of America, uh, that we must have a woman president. I'm with her was the campaign slogan. I mean, that's going to work with some people, but a lot of people can see through that. That's just basically uh, fabricated uh, identity politics, and uh, it was rejected. So this was a referendum on political correctness. Basically, they threw all these sex scandals at Trump, accused him of misogyny, made it all about Don, how Donald treats women, and what are we going to tell our children? Oh, cover our children's ears when Trump talks. It's horrible, etc. You've heard it all during the campaign. So it was a referendum on political correctness. And guess what? The American people chose against political correctness. That's one of the big points to take away from this election this year. And I don't think the Democrats have quite come to grips with that. They're they're avoiding coming to grips with that because that's actually a big fundamental thing. So it's much easier for them to go and shout and, you know, blame Russia for their loss. It's pathetic, really, when you strip it right down. So she called half of America deplorable. I mean, that'll disqualify you as president right there. Uh, I'm with her. The gender politics, no good, etc. Uh, DNC leaks. Bernie Sanders, he got screwed. Okay, the super delegate system the Democratic Party has is undemocratic. Okay, is it is a total. It's a fixed game in the Democrat Party more than the Republican Party. Uh, the Demo- The Republicans bad. Okay. But the Democratic Party is really bad. They have a superdelegate system. Donna Brazil was one of the superdelegates for Hillary Clinton, who had already made up their mind before the primaries were finished. So Bernie Sanders was going to lose either way. This is the problem with this party. They have problems that they need to iron out to make them more appealing, to make them more populist. Until they do that, uh, they're not going to learn the lessons um, uh, from this election. And uh John Podesta, uh, the media's collusion with the Democratic Party. That revelation did more damage uh in terms in terms of public confidence, not just uh in the Hillary, but really in the media that was backing her. And that's the whole point. Uh which is which is again not being addressed, more denial, doubling down on the delusion, as as we said. And uh and really just the exposure of John Podesta is a sort of arrogant dirty little political operator and it's a shame that his emails got leaked I mean it's bad you know you feel bad for John Podesta but you know he is in a very dirty game of politics in Washington DC I mean you can see how nasty they play by reading some of those emails it gave America a look into what is a very corrupt uh, little system there and so you know these are some of the reasons why she lost um it wasn't because of a Vladimir Putin uh and so here's all her surrogates you have all the here's David Axelrod listen to this this is Obama's former advisor political advisor he's even gone in he teaches at the University of Chicago teaches politics he's even adopted this conspiracy theory David Axelrod listen to this this is Axelrod on Russia phobia
14: Danger in that his his overarching point it seemed to me was this is a this was an incursion on our national sovereignty this is not a democratic issue or a republican issue <clears throat> setting aside of what the intent or motivation was it was an alarming uh, intrusion on our political process by Vladimir Putin, and that should be a source of concern to everyone. And on this point, uh, Jim Schudo mentioned earlier how dismayed the intelligence community, I assume the FBI uh, is about the, uh, the characterization of uh, their roles uh, in this. I thought one important part of this press conference was the president's stout defense of those people who do that work. Uh, he was talking about the FBI, and he said they work hard. They save lives. Uh, it's important for the president of the United States to stand up for our institutions, uh, and I think the president was trying very hard to do that in this press conference.
2: So that was Obama's brain, basically. That's David Axelrod. So that was Obama's surrogate brain. If you've seen that movie *Surrogate* with uh, with Bruce Willis, you know he had a, a virtual surrogate, and then the real brain was the the operator. So David Axelrod is the real surrogate brain of 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 barack obama so there he is saying that this was an attack on u.s national sovereignty right and, and so at the same time he's saying this his own party and uh john podesta are basically sending letters to electors telling them not to vote for trump in the electoral college you know so who's subverting whose national sovereignty it seems to me that the Democratic Party is so upset that they lost this election, they are they are basically trying to subvert uh, not the sovereignty uh, and the electoral the constitution system in the United States. That's what it seems to me, and this is being engineered right from the White House. Okay, because the president, as we as we showed you before, going along with this. Now they're saying that they have evidence, they have evidence, but they can't show you. They can't show us the public because of sources and methods or they don't want to unveil uh, what they found, the the great intelligence agency. So here's – listen to this clip. This is Secret Shudo. This is Jim Shudo from CNN, and uh, he's one of their uh, uh, media operatives, uh, one of the embeds at CNN, and he's basically saying, oh, there's lots of evidence, but we we can never show you because we don't want the Russians to know how we know what we know. I mean – I'm getting tired of this excuse. They use this with MH17 and everything else. We can't show you. We know. We know, but we can't show you. I mean, when have we had? Have we? Have we not had enough of this bullshit? Pardon my French. I had to say it because it is. Listen to Secret shooto. Here he is.
4: I think there is no doubt
2: that when any
4: foreign government tries to impact the integrity of our elections, that to take action and we will at a time and place of our own choosing.
10: The president was not specific about the form a U.S. response might take but he said some of it may be explicit and publicized some of it may not be. This as a U.S. official confirms to CNN that U.S. intelligence agencies believe Putin ordered those cyber attacks. For the very latest on that let's get to Chief National Security Correspondent Jim Sciutto.
15: It's been the belief of the U.S. intelligence community since they called Russia out for this a month before the election that this hacking operation would have required the senior-most Russian officials' approval. And the way Russia works, it's a top-heavy system. That means Vladimir Putin. But since then, their confidence has, has increased, and we've been learning today why that is the case. And that's because of the sophisticated hacking tools, cyber weapons, really, that were used in this attack, really the most sophisticated, which would require Vladimir Putin to okay the use of those tools. That in addition to other intelligence, including human sources. Leading to that conclusion today, that Vladimir Putin ordered this attack on the U.S. democratic system, and the word they're using is that it's continued unabated since the election on uh, party institutions, party organizations, including but not limited to the Democrats. We understand that there was another attempted uh, 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 phishing attack, as it's known. This is basically where you, you click on a link and it takes it allows malware to get into your computer, which was the origin of the hack on the DNC more than a year ago. A uh, failed attack on the Clinton campaign since then. This Has been expected in the U.S. intelligence community. Part of the reason being it worked, Mm -hmm. right? They they, they interrupted, they they interfered with the U.S. election system, whether or not they wanted Donald Trump to win. It's been successful for them them here, uh, Western democracies in Europe, (coughs) Eastern Europe, uh, and frankly, they expect it to continue.
12: All right, Jim, thanks. And as you mentioned.
2: Okay, so do you hear that? Jim Schudo from CNN. Uh, the way Russia works, he's, he's a, what is this, like a sort of civics lesson in uh, in Russian uh, politics? The way Russia works, it's a top-down system, so only Vladimir Putin can make these decisions. You know, it's just kind of childish uh, level of analysis. But really, that's what CNN's doing a lot of the times, They're really pitching down to the sort of junior high school uh, level of uh, of civics. And he said, "The word is the word is that this is what's happening. You know, the word is. So when is that? Is that journalism now? Well, the word, on, well, the word on the street is is like talking to the shoe shine boy, or what, you know. But this is this is what CNN does, you know. It's it's uh, it's not real journalism, folks. Let's be uh, honest with ourselves. So sources and methods, sources and methods. So more." Protecting sources and methods, we need to protect our great intelligence agencies that can't let anybody know how they collect all their intelligence, uh, which is uh, an oxymoron in itself. So here's more on sources and methods. Listen to this.
10: Meanwhile, the Kremlin is
16: calling on the U- U.S. to produce some proof of its claim. President-elect Trump saying he's not so sure about the hacking claims. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harridge is live in Washington with more on this one. Lots of people want to see the evidence at the same time. Shepard Smith was reminding me a short time ago, mm-hmm. you don't have to show that evidence. And if you do, you may be compromising what That's intelligence what in knows. Right? That's right.
2: Yeah, yeah, Shepard Smith—he's uh, uh, the expert on national uh, security. Shepard Smith from Fox. So yeah, we can't show you. And so, right, quite rightly, Russia said, "Look, put up or shut up. Show us some evidence, you know, and uh, we'll we'll talk about this." But they're not showing any evidence. It's just all kind of innuendo and speculation. And we think that we're pretty confident that you know. So you know, if you're going to make a claim that somebody through your national election in the United States, you really should provide uh, a little bit of evidence, would be a good good start uh, to the conversation. So so here's, here's uh, Julian Assange. He was on Sean Hannity's show. And again, he said this many times. The first time he said this, it was totally ignored by the U.S. media. And he said it again last week on Hannity. Listen to Julian Assange himself from WikiLeaks. The United States establishment saying that that, uh, Russia hacked, uh, John Podesta, Russia hacked the DNC. They gave the information to to WikiLeaks directly, okay? Clinton herself even said this during one of the debates. Uh, Okay, so here's Julian Assange. Listen to this.
17: Our source is not the Russian government.
6: So, in other words, let me be clear. Russia did not give you the Podesta documents or anything from the DNC. That's correct. Can you confirm whether or not you have information involving hacked info from the RNC?
17: Uh, we received uh, about three pages of information to do with the RNC and uh, Trump, uh, but uh, was already public somewhere else.
6: Without revealing your sources, would it be fair to say that the information, as it relates to WikiLeaks and John Podesta's emails, came from within the United States
17: to you? Uh, we have said it has not come from a state party. Uh, we know where it came from originally. Of course, it's John Podesta. It's from the DNC, uh, etc. Uh, there's been no claim that has been held up, not even maintained anymore, uh, that uh, any of the information has been modified uh, or is fake.
6: So you can't confirm or deny if this information came from within the United States?
17: We're unhappy that we felt that we needed to even say that it wasn't a state party. Normally we say nothing at all. Uh, mm-hmm. But we we have a, a conflict of interest. Our, our we have an uh, excellent reputation, a strong interest uh, in uh, protecting our sources, and so never saying anything about them, never ruling anyone in or anyone out. We sometimes do it. We don't like to do it. Uh, we have another interest, which is maximizing the impact of our publications. Let me ask uh, and, you this, then. And, they, they, can you? so here, here, in order to, order to prevent a distraction attack against our publications, we've had to uh, come out and say, no, it's not a state party. Stop trying to... To distract in that way. Pay attention to the content uh, mm. of the publication.
6: So, in other words, when you say state party, it wasn't another state like Russia or or some other country. Correct. How secure is America's agencies, American government, America's secrets?
17: Everything is almost completely insecure now. The <clears throat> computer systems have become so complex uh, that it is not possible to understand all the parts uh let alone secure them it is is just impossible
6: so and that goes for individuals as well as a government
17: it goes goes for all of us
6: let me ask you about the chris craig murray former british ambassador to Uzbekistan, an associate of yours he was quoted in the daily mail that he flew to washington dc for the emails he claimed he had a clandestine handoff in a wooded area near American University with one of the email sources. And the leaker's motivation was, quote, discussed at the corruption of the Clinton Foundation and the tilting of the primary election playing field against Bernie Sanders. And he said the source had legal access to the information. The documents came from inside leaks, not from hacks.
17: Yeah, we don't comment on sourcing. Craig Murray is a former UK ambassador. He is a a friend of mine. Uh, He is not Authorized to speak uh, on behalf of WikiLeaks. Are you angry that he gave this interview? Uh, I just don't want to go anywhere near that. Okay.
6: Is it much more likely that would have happened
17: versus the Russians? <clears throat> I don't want to be, be drawn on this. Okay, we have to, we have to protect our sources.
2: Okay, so there's there's Julian Assange. Uh, you know, WikiLeaks's record is um, pretty transparent. Uh, they've been going for about 10 years, um, pretty much, uh, I think, almost, uh, I would say 100% of what they've put out has been real and authentic. Uh, there's no reason to question uh, Julian Assange's uh, statement there, but you can if you if you must. Uh, if you don't believe he's telling the truth or if you think he's lying, uh, that's definitely your prerogative. Uh, but but his reputation in terms of what he does, what WikiLeaks does, what it performs uh, is is pretty solid, okay? So he has no reason to want to damage that reputation because it is so so good. So he's he's created a kind of an institution in itself uh, that has a fairly good record uh, so far after a decade. you know so if he's saying what he's saying now, He knows that he could be proven to be lying. The NSA could tell you right now who did it. And that's another big point. The NSA could tell you right now who hacked it. There'll be some digital signatures they could trace. They have the ability. So if the NSA is not saying anything, then you have to make the assumption that uh, it was a leak from inside the United States. Okay. I'm just going to say that's common sense. Okay. Knowing what, what everyone knows. Uh, about the NSA. And in fact, we had former CIA um, uh, analyst uh, Ray McGovern on Patrick Henningson Live. You can go back and listen to that interview from a few weeks ago. I think that was right after the election. And I spoke to Ray McGovern and he said he spoke to his colleagues, uh, retired NSA analysts, and who spoke to their uh, colleagues and basically said that it definitely most likely or it seemed like definitely it came it leaked from the inside the US, not hacked by Vladimir Putin, okay, so who do I trust? Do I trust Ray McGovern? Uh, do I trust uh, Julian Assange or do I trust uh, Josh Ernest um, or Wolf Blitzer or Hillary Clinton or Bill Clinton who lost in our sour grapes? okay? Think about that for a minute, you know so so here's another one. this is leaked. On the leaked, this clip is leaked, uh, Larry this is Larry Johnson, leaked Larry Johnson. So he's on uh, RT International last week basically saying this very thing. He's, uh, who is Larry Johnson? Retired NSA analyst. Why would he lie? Listen to this, leak Larry Johnson. Here's what he has to say.
13: Obama was also asked about widespread accusations that the hacking of the democratic camp during the recent election was guided by the Russian president. He said the intelligence agencies are still gathering information about that, but he believes, quote, not much happens in Russia without Vladimir Putin. With no proof yet presented to support any claims, some professionals have weighed in on the issue. A number of retired U.S. intelligence officials have signed an open letter claiming that the DNC emails were, in fact, leaked by an insider. They say that it could have been anyone from the government or, in fact, the Democratic Party itself. So we spoke with former CIA intelligence officer Larry Johnson. He's one of those who signed that letter. And here is why he thinks that it was a leak and not a hack.
15: If it was a hack... There would be evidence. The NSA would actually be able to know who did it, be able to trace it from point to point. They have not been able to do that. That evidence does not exist. It has not been briefed, to our knowledge, to any member of Congress or to any member of the administration, point number one. Point number two, Julian Assange has testified, albeit not under oath, that he has insisted that he has not received this from any agent of the Russian government or the Russian government itself. Number three, uh, Ambassador Craig Murray has has identified that he knows one of the individuals involved that did provide the material and that it was a leak, not a hack.
2: Okay. So there's Larry Johnson, former NSA uh, uh, analyst, and he said the same thing. It's a leak, not a hack. Okay. so. Uh, you won't hear any of these people uh, allowed on CNN or Fox uh, to talk about this this topic or NBC or any of the other uh, majors because uh, it just goes against the narrative. And so no, so the narrative uh, that's being really pushed hard it's just total Russian hysteria uh, on this. Here's Keith Oberman. who used to be with MSNBC or someone like that. I think he's a sportscaster. He went on a rant. Listen to this This is Oberman, a big U.S. broadcaster guy, totally lost his mind, completely out of his tree. Listen to this. We've been helped into
14: the White House by the evil uh, of another nation, and yet all our politicians will do is promise reviews and committees whose words will be too measured
3: and too late. The voters have guaranteed themselves slavery, defeat, economic disaster, and the need to, soon or late, save this nation and restore freedom by extricating ourselves from a Trump regime by whatever process provides itself.
2: Oh, gosh. You know, just completely out of his mind, okay? These people have lost their minds. So here's the Washington Post today, or yesterday. Uh, just to show you the level of hysteria now. The electoral, this is a headline from the Washington Post. The Electoral College is thwarting our ability to battle global warming. Believe it or not. I know this is wacky, but hey. So <laughs> so the, their argument is that uh, because, because Donald Trump uh, lost the popular vote, won the electoral vote, um, because of that, you know, that, that is somehow going to increase global warming uh, because Trump isn't uh, going to be on board with any of the uh, globalist uh, uh, UN Agenda 21 uh, international non-binding treaties and, and so forth. Basically the whole climate bandwagon thing. So they're now blaming uh, Trump for that. Again, it's back to this argument, the Electoral College. Hillary won the popular vote. So you know, if you took California out, uh, Donald Trump won the popular vote by a landslide as well. Okay, the only thing that gives Hillary really the popular vote is 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 really California. Okay, so so California is not the United States, although a lot of people in Los Angeles would like to think that they are the United States and that everything outside of L.A. is worthless cultural wasteland. And the people in Manhattan generally think the same way. Nothing really matters. The world revolves around Manhattan. The world revolves around uh, uh, Los Angeles. And people in Washington, D.C. tend to think the world revolves around Washington, D.C. Okay. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, that's the way they think. They're very urban-centric in terms of their megatropolis power centers. Uh, So, yeah, now the Electoral College is going to basically increase global warming. They're just losing their minds so much so that when... The electoral votes were announced in Wisconsin the other day. Uh, This woman protester got up and basically shouted at the state representatives that how dare they cast their vote for Donald Trump. Now, mind you, Donald Trump won Wisconsin. And uh, the Green Party candidate, Jill Stein, she was put up probably by the Clinton campaign or the Democratic Party, given the kind of backing, saying, hey, we got your back. Can you stage or push for a recount in the following three states, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, uh, because, you know, whatever, we want to try to delegitimize this uh, Trump uh, election result. And Jill Stein went for it, and so she's been running around acting totally hysterical and flippant uh, in the media. She's raised uh, millions and millions of dollars for this recount, which looks like it's not going anywhere. Uh, But anyway, more money down the drain. Um, but anyway, it's her right to do that. And, you know, if she can flag up some problems or anomalies in the U.S. Uh, uh, election systems to make the system more robust, then, you know, all power to you, Jill Stein. I hope good luck and you know, hope you achieve your mission. Um, however, it just seems politically motivated. Uh, so it seems like the, the usual suspects are circling uh, that, that camp. So, so we go to Wisconsin. So this is the electoral vote. So this is amazing. You want to see, so this is where it all leads folks. What I'm going to show you right now, this is where it all leads. And it reminds me of a scene out of a a TV show, which I'll play afterwards, but this is the electoral Wisconsin shame. So here's this left wing protester gets up and shouts at this. I think it was at the state Capitol. is just yesterday or the day before unbelievable scene because they dared to basically cast their electoral vote, uh, which you know was the will of the people, Donald Trump won Wisconsin. By the way, so listen to this: electoral Wisconsin shame. This is great.
13: Bouncing after somebody voted for Trump, the votes are ten votes Donald J. Trump. You sold
12: out.
18: Sold-
2: Oh my God. Oh my God. You should see that. You can watch that up on YouTube. Just put Wisconsin electoral shame in YouTube. And, uh, she said, this is my America. She said, this is my America. She's, she's, we won the popular vote and, uh, this electoral system is un-American because they lost. It's the first time anyone's really thrown a, a, a mass temper tantrum after they lost an election. Uh, but did you hear the people in the background? Shame it reminded me of that scene out of game of Thrones you remember when uh, I've, I've got the name of the the the, the, the Lannister uh, the mother of the, um, uh, the 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 boy King in the game of Thrones and then she she had to repent in front of the uh, religious clerics and march uh, naked through the city and all the crowd shouted shame I mean when you this was going on in the Wisconsin state government building and it just it, it It reflected a a scene out of a TV show that is just surreal. Listen, so here's the Game of Thrones. Listen to this it's just, they're shouting the same thing. It's amazing. Listen to this. God. So, so, so this is what the this is what U.S. politics is coming to. It's coming to uh, basically a game of thrones. Uh, this is kind of scary, really, if you if you think about it. Um, and and then up until yesterday, Clinton supporters were holding out this belief that she was going to somehow and they coming up with all these scenarios in their head. And um, the people have lost their mind thinking she's still going to win. Uh, I'm not kidding. L- listen to this. The Clinton supporters uh, diluted, electoral supporters, Clinton supporters diluted. Listen to this.
10: Now to reality. Our Allison Camerata sat down with some Clinton supporters who are holding out hope for a pretty unrealistic surprise, shall we say, tomorrow. How many of you, as you sit here today, think
18: that something might happen before Inauguration Day to change the results. What do you think, Sonia?
11: I'm just leaving it open. You <laughs> <laughs> just never
18: knew.
17: Anything's possible. Just like I was laying there with my glass of wine, not expecting Pennsylvania
11: to go red. <laughs> Anything can happen.
17: This has certainly been a surprising uh, election.
10: I'm, I'm hoping that, um, you know, somebody up there is looking down and saying you know what this is a law and you can't break that law you know you you conflict of interest Um hamilton elect well the hamilton electors i mean i think that i'm holding out hope for that you're That's, holding out hope that the electors will change their mind yes i'm holding out hope that maybe five six or seven of the republican electors will change their mind
18: and just follow that line of logic for me so the seven electors changed their mind, but that doesn't change the outcome. Uh,
10: does it? No. Not, well, no, unless not all enough. the... De- not enough. It's unless not every enough. single one of the Democrats... I mean, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Somebody educate me. I thought that if 10 of the Republicans changed their minds...
17: Was, what you're was, thinking was, of is the 10, 10 of the Electoral College people have asked for a uh, briefing by the cia about the russian hacking and the russian involvement in uh swinging the election we actually are 2.8 million votes ahead in the real vote the vote of people voting all over the country popular Uh, vote I i don't call it the popular vote i call it the vote there's an electoral college vote you can call that the other vote I
18: understand, but this is how the founders set it up. I mean, we do abide by the Electoral College. You don't have to like
17: it. I'm very excited about that because perhaps the Electoral College, I'm very excited because maybe the Electoral College will do what Hamilton and the other founding fathers saw as the role of the Electoral College was just to keep a sociopath from gaining the office of president.
19: If enough defect to bring him below 270, they don't have to defect to her. If he doesn't reach the threshold, then it goes to the House. Are
17: you pinning your hopes on that? No, no, I don't think there's any hope. I think that he will be sworn in. I also think there's a big point here, which
2: is okay. that the electoral okay, college. So there, so there she's she, she, totally delusional, you know, right up until the last minute. It, my, and Michael Moore is organizing a million man march uh, to basically interrupt the uh, inauguration uh, in January. And whether you like Donald Trump or not, whether, you, whether he's your cup of tea or not, uh, you know, to, to organize mass protests. Um, to basically try to delegitimize or nullify uh, an electoral result shows me that someone else is interfering in the U.S. Uh, electoral process, um, and it's not the Russians. Okay, so and so it, the the ramping up the Russian fear it's out of control. So here's Van Jones. Now the, the Democrats are, uh, you know they they need an enemy, uh, obviously the so republicans generally have islamic terror muslims that's their enemy on the right and the, the left have adopted russia as their new basically they need an existential enemy to blame uh, all their own faults on so it's russia here's van jones from cnn this is van jones on russia listen to this
5: well as well there was a time where the bigger threat i think was from iran and the concern that iran was going to get nuclear weapons and so hillary clinton in her brilliance was able to pull together both the chinese not our friends every day and the russians not our friends any day in an alliance to deal with iran you have to pick you have to have you have to have sequences but at no point do i believe that we said, well geez, we're gonna now say that you can attack our country, you can hack our infrastructure, you can you can mess with our elections, and that's okay too. And that's the concern I think we have here.
2: Okay, so not so that's the mem. Russia's not our friends, not our friends. You keep hearing Well, the Russians certainly not our friends. Why why do the Russians have to be not our friends? And so where does this idea come from? It seems to me like it's being reinforced uh, by the political establishment and by the media over and over and over again. Uh, to the point where people believe, well, if, how can we be friends with Russia? You know, we can't. Um, so, and let's listen to this. Okay, here's Barbara Starr from from CNN. This is the Pentagon's embed at CNN, Barbara Starr. So here, here she is, basically giving you the party line. So this is the this is the hardcore propaganda coming from uh, the Pentagon. Listen to this.
3: Shudo reporting. Let's bring in our Pentagon correspondent, Barbara Starr. Barbara, you're picking up new information over there. What are you learning?
9: Well, Wolf, tonight a U.S. official tells me that there are several signs of what leads them to think Putin had his fingerprints all over this affair. And one of them is the technical capability of the hacking. These were highly sophisticated hacking tools, if you will, the kind that are the equivalent of what the U.S. National Security Agency uses in its covert hacking operations, in its cyber warfare, if you will. The Russians had that kind of capability at hand. And really, there's only two entities in Russia that can do that. One is part of the Russian intelligence community. The other is a Russian contractor that works for the Russian intelligence community. And because this was so high level, this capability, it would have required higher th- authority, perhaps... Putin himself, to authorize this operation to take place. And remember, it wasn't just the hacking. It wasn't just the getting into the system. It was the exploitation of that data. It eventually got distributed by WikiLeaks, and the U.S. feels it would be very unlikely anyone other than Vladimir Putin would have authorized that part of the operation.
3: Wolf? Another significant uh, part of the debate, Barbara. Thanks very much uh, for
2: Okay. And so there's that, that's the hard propaganda line. And then here's a former deputy, deputy secretary of defense. Uh, her name is uh, Evelyn uh, Farkas. And so Evelyn Farkas is basically saying that this is because Vladimir Putin's a misogynist. That's, this is literally, I'm not kidding, this is the former deputy, deputy secretary of defense, uh, Evelyn Farkas. Listen to this.
3: Was Putin trying to simply embarrass the United States by this, uh, these, these hacks, or was he aggressively trying to defeat Hillary Clinton and elect Donald Trump?
10: So I can't say for sure, obviously, I'm not in Vladimir Putin's brain. But I do think it's clear he wanted to, first of all, he wanted to erode our confidence in our democracy. Second of all, he never has liked Hillary Clinton. There's a long history there. Um, there's probably also some misogyny there. Um, but it goes back to his re-election. When he came back into power in 2011, there were demonstrations on the street. Hillary Clinton spoke about them and spoke about his election negatively. The third thing is that Donald Trump basically is a guy that he thinks he can do business with. He might be a great successor to Barack Obama. I don't think that President Putin actually thought he would win either necessarily, but he certainly wanted to achieve the first two things: you know, weaken our democracy and you know, poke at Hillary Clinton and weaken her.
2: Okay, so misogyny was because Donald uh, Putin doesn't like women, and so then he had a beef against Hillary Clinton for that, and because somehow Hillary messed up uh, Putin's uh, uh, elections in 2011. Somehow, Um, that's an interesting one in itself. So so they're accusing—that's interesting in itself because so they're Hillary Clinton's accusing Vladimir Putin of having a grudge against her for interfering. Uh, she's admitted that she's interfered in the Russian elections in 2011 by, by organizing bogus street protests uh, to try to start a color revolution, to d- disrupt the Russian uh, democratic election. Isn't that interesting? And that just gets completely glossed over by the uh, the brainchild uh, Wolf Blitzer uh, there. So, you know, as a journalist, normally you would pick up on these things. At least I do. You know, I'm not... Uh, I'm not I'm not a highly paid uh highly qualified journalist like a uh, Wolf Blitzer is of course I don't have all the titles uh but I pick up on these things you know kind of, that's kind of interesting so they're accusing Russia of basically trying to subvert US elections they don't have ev- any evidence and here's Hillary Clinton admitting that she did it in 2011 and this is why Donald Trump uh is um so, or no yeah why Putin is basically Trying to throw the election for Donald Trump, uh, while he came after her. Interesting, isn't it? Certainly, that's worth exploring, isn't it? As a talking point. Uh, and, and here's Clarissa Ward again. This is a hard propaganda line. This is a, a hardcore operative. She's uh, embedded embed at CNN. She's now been moved from uh, uh, doing Middle East stuff. She's now been uh, she's at this st- station in um, Moscow. So here's Clarissa Ward basically giving the hard, cold delivery. Here it is.
6: You might be forgiven for wondering if Russia did all of this as the U.S. intelligence agencies and President Obama allege uh, Russian uh, officials did. Uh, what is the United States going to do about it? Well, President Obama did briefly address that. Uh, take a listen.
4: I told Russia to stop it and indicated there will be consequences when they do it. Our goal continues to be to send a clear message to Russia, or others, not to do this to us, because we can do stuff to you.
6: Let's bring in CNN international correspondent Clarissa Ward, who is now live in Moscow. And Clarissa, President Obama, saying there will be consequences for Russia's actions. Uh, Just you watch, has Moscow reacted uh, to that threat yet? And uh, do they really worry at all, given the fact that they are so overjoyed, uh, according to your reporting and others, uh, with the election of Donald Trump?
16: Well, there's been no official response yet, and I wouldn't hold your breath in terms of any uh, major shift in the Russian party line, which has been this is ludicrous, this is nonsense, prove it or move on. It's indecent was the word the Kremlin spokesperson used today to describe these constant accusations. But I think you also heard President Obama during that press conference really illuminating the two main reasons that it is so difficult to respond to Russia and to respond to President Putin in particular, the first one being that naming and shaming don't work. Naming Russia doesn't work because Russia just denies it, whether it's hacking, whether it's when the little green men first appeared in Crimea. You may remember President Putin initially denied that there was anything going on there. Shaming, we have seen very clearly, doesn't work, as in uh, Aleppo particularly, in that example. So there's a sense that you have a tough situation on your hands as a U.S. president when you're trying to respond to something like this because you can't name, you can't shame and then the second difficulty becomes that because Russia is engaging in what is essentially hybrid warfare you can't really respond in a conventional way and you certainly can't respond in a public way and unlike President Vladimir Putin who doesn't really have to answer to his voters, I think the U.S. president does feel some pressure from the American people to answer to them to explain what is being done to punish Russia or to retaliate or to ensure something like this never happens again and what President Obama was essentially saying there is, you can't really do that uh, in this type of situation. So he then says, I can't illuminate for you, or I can't tell you exactly how I'm going to respond. And I'm sure that's bound to leave some people feeling, oh, was that a bit of a weak answer? Is it a bit of a cop-out? Why won't he name President Putin directly? Why won't he say exactly what's going to be done in terms of retaliation? So it just struck me that that illustrates some of the ways in which it really is so difficult to respond to the unique set of of threats that russia and president putin present to the u.s jake
6: and clarissa while i have you uh let me uh, let me ask
2: you with your senior okay so there's uh there's jake tapper he's one of cnn's uh anchors uh and so he's got clarissa ward on there she is what probably their top propagandist i mean she's slick she speaks five languages and i'm gonna call bs because she said i saw you know little green men in crimea I think the Little Green Manor Eastern Ukraine, if I'm not mistaken, she got that wrong. But I mean she doesn't she shouldn't believe any of this stuff. Clarissa Ward's smart enough, she studied history, she speaks five languages, she's a top operative. She she wouldn't believe that uh, Russia invaded the Ukraine because she knows better. So, you know, what you're having what you're seeing there is total propaganda. And when she rolled out the line, Putin doesn't have to answer to his voters. That's basically a dog whistle. Out to people saying that Putin's a despotic dictator and he he alone rules Russia, one man. Uh, Putin, like any other leader, has to answer to the people of their country without a doubt. Okay, um, unlike the United States, where the you know if anything, our president doesn't have to answer to his uh, his voters, or at least he hasn't for the last eight years. That's pretty obvious. Um, so that's the uh the the scale of of that propaganda and then we have uh uh some other interesting characters this is a uh, son don lemon this is matt lewis author of too dumb to fail <clears throat> i can have a joke about the title of that book and him in a minute but so here's he's basically comparing this to stalin in world war Two. basically uh trump's allegiance alliance with putin is like the u.s having to um Joined Stalin in World War II. I'm not quite sure if that's a good um, metaphor, but but nonetheless, here it is. This is lemon and Stalin.
5: Does the president have a point that now all of a sudden uh, you know Republicans are embracing Russia?
19: Yeah, yeah, he does absolutely. Um, you know, I, I saw this starting about three or four years ago. I was at a conservative dinner and somebody started talking about how great Vladimir Putin is. He's pro-life, and he's being hard on the gays. Um, And it's a weird thing. Pat Buchanan, about six months later, wrote a piece asking, is Putin one of us? Meaning, is Putin a conservative? I think Peter Beinart really uh, nailed it at The Atlantic when he said, you know, the paradigm used to be America, the force of freedom, versus the forces of tyranny. Today, there's a different paradigm, and it's Western civilization versus ISIS and radical Islam. And if you buy that latter paradigm, that that's the defining issue of our time, then allying yourself with Vladimir Putin is about the same as as joining forces with Joseph Stalin to to defeat Nazism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Andy Dean, you seem perplexed by that. Why? Um, So, Don, I'm perplexed by about everything I just heard. But I do buy into this idea that radical Islam is our biggest foe. If we look at the terror attacks over the past 15 years, reality uh, makes us have to believe that. And also, Don, I'm just confused by this whole, maybe I'm not getting this Russian hacker thing that the media is obsessed with 24-7. If you ask WikiLeaks and Julian Assange where they got their info from, which he was on a radio program, he was on Hannity's program today. Julian Assange said he got the WikiLeaks at John Podesta emails. ...from a non-state actor that was not Russia. So this idea that Putin handed over... We're talking
5: about about government and and intelligence reports. We're not talking just about WikiLeaks and and Julian Assange here, Andy.
19: Intelligence reports, Don, but let's get specific. That say what? That Russia got Podessa's emails... That's factually untrue. No, and this so, idea that the American that people Russia are dumb enough Russia to fall for fake news on Facebook, Russia. it's ridiculous. Well, listen. This, that's, this. that's not all of the report. You're picking and choosing parts
5: of the report that you want to criticize, but that's not the entire report. Correct. Yeah. I cherry-picked,
2: on. Yeah,
4: you did, you did cherry pick.
5: Go on, Mr. No, the CIA. Okay.
2: So it's all, a big, uh, it's all a big laugh. It's all a big laugh. And then you have Liz Waugh. She used to be an anchor at RT America. And so she's the woman who quite famously uh, made this big impassioned speech. Uh, this was at the height of the Ukraine crisis, uh, right before Crimea had its referendum, or right after, I think. And she said, I'm not going to be a, a tool of uh, Putin's um, uh, propaganda mouthpiece anymore. And she resigned on air in protest. And she was then did a tour around the mainstream media. Uh, coming on all these programs. And it it found out afterwards that she had been working with a neoconservative think tank and planned this for months, uh, at least from August before February. So, you know, five months uh, in the works. And uh, she's an interesting character. So when she bolted from RT America and then, you know, that th- thing went down in flames um, and then she didn't get a job with anybody else. She's, you know, who's she working for? It's been two years now. She hasn't didn't get that big of a severance package from RT America. I mean, come on. Um, and so who's she working for? And, but she appears on the media as a Russian media expert. Okay. So clearly she's not good enough as a broadcaster that anybody hired her. Um, maybe that's why she, she had a hard time at RT America. Maybe she just wasn't good at her job, but nonetheless, um, she threw the wobbler on live air. And so CNN had her on. So this is Liz Waugh. Um, who, I don't know, She's she working for one of the agencies um, on the quiet? We don't know. But uh, here she is, Liz Waugh, basically saying what Putin does, how Putin does it, and what RT is, and et cetera, fake news, all the rest of it. She's wrapped it all into one burrito. Liz Waugh, here she is.
5: Campaign. many of the Republican supporters say this is all just an attempt to delegitimize Donald Trump's victory. What do you think about that? Is the media doing Russia's job for them?
12: Yeah, and it's unfortunate because here we have an unprecedented situation where a foreign government has hacked our election to intervene to get a particular candidate. In office, um, and so this is a not. This is a bipartisan issue. This is not a Republican issue. This is not a Democrat issue. This is an American issue. This is we're talking about a foreign adversary hacking and influencing and meddling in our elections. So there should be outrage on both sides. And I, I mean, I, I think the response that we're getting from the president elect after he was presented with this information you know um, from the CIA uh, the uh, the intelligence agency with their vast resources and their vast spying capabilities came up with this conclusion presented it uh, to the public said uh, presented it before the president elect and he just said nope i don't believe it
10: yeah. so
12: and uh, and so he himself now has politicized it and said this is all just you know, Hillary Clinton, sour grapes. I mean, um and it's it's not a political issue. We should all be concerned about this. Mm. And um, unfortunately, and and hacking, we have to understand, is just part of a greater Russian disinformation strategy. It's about hacking. It's about disinformation. It's about the legions of trolls that they have spreading pro- Kremlin messaging. I mean, this is something that is a multifaceted effort to influence the the way that the American conscience um, and this is, it, it's been at work now for a couple of years. Um, I think Ukraine was really uh, the turning point that re- in, in in which we saw Russia get more aggressive and more bold in their in their prop- in their propaganda campaigns. And um, and and I think one thing that's really important to understand about the way that Russian disinformation operates is that it's meant to di- to divide societies. It's meant to make angry people angrier. It's ma- it's meant to make paranoid people, people more paranoid. Um, and so Russian media um, and Russian disinformation amplifies these divisions. Yeah. And so we see president-elect throughout his campaign and still um, using that same tactic. Of division, of dividing people, of inflaming existing grievances, um, and so right. I, I, we say this. This, thing, well, this so so there we see. I see kind of the mission of of, of Russian media and uh, and um, the, the way that Donald Trump's campaign has operated. Well, this is
5: Matthew. Remember our conversation the other night when you and I were okay.
2: Both... Okay. So that was uh, that was Liz Waugh. The famous uh, RT whistleblower, I guess, is I don't know what her title is, uh, but uh, so so I did a little you do a little research on Liz Wall, you quickly figure out that um, so she her family uh, basically escaped Hungary, uh, fled because of the Soviet invasion of of Hungary. So she's half Filipino, I, I guess her mother's Filipino and her father's Hungarian Jewish Hungarian or something like that, and so so she's already got. Um, a bias, basically, anti-Russian or stroke anti-Soviet. Now, I just want to point out that normally when dissidents flee these situations uh, to the United States, they're very quickly approached by the CIA uh, because these these are all obviously sympathetic uh, to the anti-communist cause or the anti-Russian cause or whatever it is. It could be Syria, all the, quote, Syrian activists who uh, appear to be against a uh, the government in Syria against Assad are definitely courted by the intelligence agencies in the West because they're seen as uh, you know potential generational allies with links back to the homeland. This is standard practice, by the way. Okay, um, these are this is definitely a fertile recruitment uh, pool. So that's her family background. So who's to say that she's already got this inbuilt anti-Russian bias? I'm surprised they didn't pick that up uh, when they hired her at RT. She probably wasn't on her resume, I'm sure. Uh, but that's interesting. And there's another one who basically works for Fox. She's uh, kind of a, one of their only left-wing pro-Hillary uh, pundits. Her name is uh, Julie uh, Yeah, Julie Roginsky. And she's also a Russian, uh, uh, em- emigrated from Russia and fled the Soviet, the evil Soviet empire, right? So she hates Russia. Hates everything about Russia, just like similar to Liz Waugh, very similar background. Uh, so, in inbuilt. So, these people are basically posing as journalists, uh, and they've got a complete inbuilt bias. By the way, anybody who talks uh, like like this is a done like it's like it's concluded, like it's a done deal. Like Russian definitely hacked the U.S. When these are, if they're a journalist, they would never say that. They would say, well, the you know they would be qualify their statement saying, well, the evidence hasn't actually come in yet. Uh, so speak, this is what they're saying. It doesn't mean this is actually what we know for certain. Those who are jumping that, going straight to the conclusion, uh, those aren't real journalists, okay? Those are basically advocates. They're advocating a certain position, and there's tons of them now, uh, all over television. Listen to this: Julie Roginsky on Fox hates Putin, hates Russia. Says we should be enemies with Russia forever and never, ever, ever on good good terms with them, uh, unless, you know, unless they, uh, you know, come down and, and kneel and kiss the ring of uh, of the new world order. I guess. Listen to Julie Reginsky here.
0: No, I think there's, it's a very easy uh, thing for uh, Rex Tillerson to cut his ties to his pension, to take the cash out and make sure that it goes into a blind trust. No, you can cut these conflicts of interest. The bottom line is we need a new strategy for Russia. What we've been doing with Russia for the last uh, eight years hasn't worked we now actually have to execute the reset button that hillary clinton proposed uh, in
9: 2009 yeah, right can, can, Go I,
12: ahead, can Julie. I let me just say this congressman this is a country that has invaded ukraine that has seized a great chunk of their land in crimea that still has soldiers despite their denials in eastern ukraine yes. that there is no there's no disagreement that among the intelligence agencies that they hacked our political right. institutions are only disagreeing in on the fact that they were doing it to elect Donald Trump yeah. and after all of this congressman you want to establish a friendship and not penalize Vladimir Putin for that? I didn't
0: say establish a, a friendship. What, what would I you like do to do with him? We need to, what we need to do is we need to recognize that we have to rec- we need to recognize exactly who Russia is and those things all happened on Obama's watch and we need a strong Secretary of State that knows how to deal with people like Putin and knows how to deal with them successfully Okay
10: we we'll that. We'll leave it
0: at that. Great to see you both.
2: Okay. Okay, so that's uh, Julie Roginski from Fox. Again, has this inbuilt anti-Russian bias. Apparently, this is her family's history. Uh, left Russia in the 80s and, uh, and so forever will hate all things Russian. Uh, maybe that's because she can't go back uh, for some reason. Who knows? Or maybe, I don't know, is her family in the intelligence business? I don't know what the deal is, but uh, that's not journalism, folks. This is advocacy. Anyway, look, the point is, here, Here's let's, what are the lessons we can learn from, from all of this stuff? Okay, number one lesson, okay? America is getting dumber. Okay, this is lesson number one. This is a problem that needs to be addressed. America is in a post-literate age. We're in a post-literate epoch. So the tech age... One of the things about we thought, oh, with technology and the internet and access to the most uh, information, the history of the world, and then some uh, at the fingertips, uh, we thought that would make us smarter. But in fact, what's happening, this is my theory, uh, I believe that in the tech age, people, a lot of people, the majority of people are getting dumber. They're getting stupider. And most of these people you see have made their way onto television screens as news pundits, many of whom we've played uh, on this special broadcast today okay they're dumb they don't read uh, they they only look they only look at headlines they don't read actual text they look at headlines they react to headlines a lot of people on social media they, they, they see the article they don't read it they just throw their comment in based on the headlines that's actually the the the, the source of the, the fake news, <laughs> if you want to talk about fake news, it has less to do with fake news and more to do with the fact that people don't read. Okay, They just react to uh, headlines and they don't even look at the source of what they're reading. If they did, then we wouldn't have this uh, debate about fake news anyway, even though it's a synthetic uh, engineered uh, crisis. But anyway, people are getting stupider. So the Internet, the age of tech, has made people dumber. Uh, The majority of people are getting dumber, okay? They don't read. Okay, but however, there's a minority of people who are getting smarter, okay? So we have this great divide. We have the sort of the the literate minority and the illiterate majority, okay? This is going to be a big danger going forward. Uh, so you have the majority of the population will in the West will be low information, uh, and they will be the majority. They don't read. They refuse to read, don't like to read, too busy to read, whatever. Don't know how to read maybe. Uh, and then you have the, uh, a minority that will be literate who read, uh, who have basic, you know, good critical thinking skills who are actually super informed because they read. So they, they've managed to grab the Holy grail, which is basically knowledge, and reading and they've taken advantage of the Internet. Then you have those who don't. They're illiterate. Uh, they just react to emojis and uh, they're stupid. And most of them are so-called experts uh, on CNN and, and Fox. OK, so the, so on the Hillary Trump divide, you have both sides uh, that that displays the same dynamic. Um, and so. It was same. We have a minority of informed people, a majority of uninformed people on both sides backing both of these candidates in this national contest. Uh, but one prevailed. And uh, why is that? Because in the eyes of the voters, one was worse than the other. So you can debate about that, how you like. Uh, the other lesson is we have sources. Who are these sources? They're anonymous sources. They're making statements to the New York Times that that end up coming out of the mouth of the president. And nobody knows who actually said it, um, and so someone will say, "Well, the UN said it." Well, the UN, and you go to ask the UN about Aleppo, and they said, "Well, we didn't say that, but but we have uh, sources on the ground with aid organizations that told us this." So we're not actually making a statement, but meanwhile, ten other experts on CNN said the UN said it. So it's a mess. Okay, it's a daisy chain of anonymous sources. And nobody knows uh, where it' st- where the rumor started, so a lot of rumors flying around, which become news basically, and this is why the mainstream media is one of the biggest is the biggest uh, uh, producer of fake news because they basically take rumors from their sources and then they uh, basically turn those into real stories, uh, and at no point giving any names of where anything came from. Okay, and a lot of the the so the Russian hack hysteria comes on the back of this phenomenon. Uh, And so we have private uh, source, uh, private companies like CrowdStrike. Uh, They're not accountable. They're providing all the so-called intelligence to the intelligence agencies. Some private company, we don't know what their agenda is. We don't know who owns them. Uh, We don't know what their modus operandi is. They could just be an adjunct of the CIA for all we know. And most probably they are. They're not accountable. They're a private company. Uh, So so, But they're covered, so they, <clears throat> they cover their ass through this uh, sourcing thing, okay? Meanwhile, the NSA knows everything, okay? Which we told you before, we outlined what that means. So the, N- the NSA knows who Cozy Bear and Fancy Bear are. So they should be able to tell you in 10 seconds. So we don't need to go through six months of, of, of hearings and committees, okay? But anyway, this is the progression of propaganda uh, through, through, through the technique of public relations, and so it, it starts with uh, the DNC leaks, which then becomes the Russian hacks, which then becomes Vladimir Putin's personal hack. OK, so this is the bigger social, the bigger social theme here at play is that the Democrats or the left in America, they need an existential enemy. Uh, they learned from the right, from the Republicans, from the Tea Party or whatever that the, uh, you know, the, who basically Muslims are their Uh, existential enemy of choice. So everything kind of revolves around the security debate. uh, And that sort of empowers that side of the political paradigm. The Democrats basically have adopted Russia as their main enemy now. And so that fuels them and sort of they use that to whip up their base now because they're actually, they don't have any successful uh, uh, social uh, issues that are practical anymore. Uh, So the entitlement culture uh, political identityism. Uh, this is all kind of falling apart at the moment. So, you know, grab Russia. Use Russia as the uh, as as the main battle cry. And so, the media are guilty uh, to a huge degree. And uh, I'd say ninety nine percent of the mainstream media coverage is basically Russia bashing, anti Russian. Not once did they get somebody on uh, ever giving a reasonable. Uh, perspective or analysis they did once. uh, His name is Stephen Cohen, uh, professor emeritus at Princeton University in Russian studies. Uh, They put him on late at night on CNN, but never on on daytime, prime time against their so-called experts. Uh, So I'll play this clip. This is uh, Stephen Cohen with Don Lemon, basically a voice of reason here, but only one voice, Uh, the 1% out of the 99% of coverage the the bent media gives on this issue listen to this uh, this is uh cohen and lemon
5: cohen he's a professor emeritus of russian studies at princeton university and new york university thank you sir um i i appreciate your expertise what would vladimir putin's motive be to interfere with the american
1: election what would he get out of them can't think of any <laughs> um you said i'm emeritus was old. <laughs> I have never in my 40 years, maybe longer than you've been alive, studying Russian-American relations, seen anything like what we're in at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think we're in uncharted, perilous territory. Even before this began, the hacking allegations, we are in a Cold War with Russia, fraught with hot war from the Baltics to Ukraine, to Syria you've covered those stories mm-hmm. now we're accusing the russia uh, russia and this is basically what you just reported from moscow mm-hmm. of attacking us cyber attacking and now we have the president of the united states suggesting he's going to counterattack we're talking about war mm-hmm. between nuclear powers and overlaying it all is this story of what the Russians did in our election, for which we have yet to be presented a single piece of empirical evidence that you and I can say, I can say, Don, is that credible to you? And you say, what is it? We don't know. Secretary Kerry, Secretary of State, on this, right? he didn't push back, he just said he wouldn't embrace this story. Anonymous sources, the Intelligence Oversight Committee, I believe, I don't want to misstate, refused to brief Congress. Yesterday or today or tomorrow. And that's because the intelligence community itself is deeply divided. So, so, but even if they're deeply
5: divided, why would they refuse to brief even on the information, the little or a lot of information
1: that they have or didn't have? Why would they refuse? Well... We have, again, being older does help. We've had episodes in this country, going back to the Reagan years, where the intelligence community was at war within itself. But I do have to tell you the Director of National
5: Intelligence Report is not anonymous. I mean, that is... I understand. Yeah,
1: yeah I understand. But look... <laughs> I've read every word I can find. I'm not not an expert on these surveillance things, but we've yet to... I mean, what would be evidence? We have a mole in the Kremlin. We tap their cell phones. Think of Edward Snowden. We've used Intercept and heard what they were going to do. We are saying, remember what the story is. The Russians at Putin's command intervened in our election to throw it to Trump. It may be... It may be, but without evidence we're talking about war with Russia.
5: But is the information saying to throw it to Trump,
1: or is it just saying that they intervene in, in the election? That would be the first step. I mean, there's three three levels of accusation. They invaded the DNC, Democratic right. National Convention. They got information damaging to Hillary Clinton and they gave it to WikiLeaks, correct? Mm-hmm. WikiLeaks then publicized it to damage Trump, correct? Those, so there's three steps. And also spreading of false information,
5: fake news, that sort yeah, of thing, right?
1: But everybody agrees that the stories that were released from the dnc were not falsified even the dnc doesn't say it was false they just say it was dirty pool but here's my point and what i've never seen in my life that we have ratcheted up to a moment so dangerous at least as dangerous with russia as since the cuban missile crisis in 1962 normally we have a national debate about what to do you and i are sitting here with somebody else saying i think we should build more weapons i say i think we should build less but what are we talking about It could be fiction. We don't know.
5: Hillary Clinton has said tonight that it's a a grudge between Putin and Clinton.
1: Malarkey. I know the whole story. Yeah, that she said something critical critical about the Duma elections. Mm -hmm. What was it? 2011. And it brought protesters in the streets. And he resents it, Mm -hmm. right? A, she violated State Department protocol. She wasn't supposed to do that. B, that's not what bought. That's to say that Russians don't have any political Agency of their own, they came on their own. Yeah.
5: So how they big of a threat is this? You said this is, we're talking, you know, a, a war between two nuclear yeah. nuclear Possibility. I, okay, yeah. so then how should the
1: U.S. respond? Well, am I right in understanding that President Obama is giving a press conference tomorrow? Yeah. He should walk this back. He should say this is very unclear, we need an investigation, let's everybody stay calm. Yeah. Now, I don't think we can have such an investigation. And if he doesn't? <laughs> I will wake up tomorrow morning extremely worried and here's why the Russian leadership and the Russian people watch this and what they hear being said in this country mm-hmm. is just short of a declaration of war against Russia and then they look across their western border to the Baltics and they see this NATO massive build up going on and Russians Above and below say, no Western power has amassed on our border like this since the German invasion in 1941. Yeah. And that's, you don't want high anxiety yeah. among people who have nuclear weapons on high alert.
5: Well, he just said to take
2: action.
1: I and mean, you say that that is, it seems I don't know. to you like a declaration of war.
2: But well, that's, no, that's I'm no no
1: no, 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 no. No, no. You misunderstand. Sort of. That's what the Russians are interpreting. I right. got it. And by the way, Biden did say yeah. about a month ago, yes. we will retaliate. Yeah. So, it's time to walk back, and fast. And I think that's what Secretary of State Kerry was trying to do today when he said he didn't embrace the story. Thank you. Always appreciate it. Are you it. sure it was okay? <laughs> Are you I me? didn't upset you. <laughs> no.
2: uh, did you see that? So even St- Stephen Cohen knows it's an aggressive environment uh, going on CNN. Really important what that professor from Princeton was trying to convey to people, that we have people coming on television basically declaring war on Russia on, no, on what basis, uh, Well, rumor or some vague statements coming out of the uh, so-called intelligence community, unnamed statements uh, to the New York Times or the Washington Post, and people saying crazy things on TV like this. Listen to this. This is uh, Mark Dugowitz. I think this is on uh, CNN. It's CNN or Fox. But this, this is what Stephen Cohen's talking about. It's completely out of control. People are out of their skulls with this hysteria listen to this guy
10: well for more on this let's bring in mark Dubowitz, the executive director of the foundation for defense of democracy thank you so much mark for talking to us so the fbi has joined the cia today in the assessment that the russian president was directly involved in the hack attack based on information new information coming out that authorities say come from in directly inside the kremlin so the question is what do we do with this information
18: Julie, I know what we haven't done for eight years and that President Obama has really uh, not responded at all to Russian aggression. I mean, he has married this soaring tough rhetoric with, uh, with really inaction and so for eight years Vladimir Putin has had the president's number and we the president's done nothing to push back against Putin so it's no surprise that Putin feels that he actually has complete impunity to do what he wants when he wants
10: John Carlin the former head of the Justice Department's National Security Division uh, tells ABC News and I want to quote it if you mess with the United States we will mess with you back he added it's important the US starts quote taking actions to show others that it's not open season on the United States symptoms systems whether they are private or government how much of this could have been prevented by the Obama administration over the past eight years
18: Well I think John is exactly right John's a great man and a great American and I think he has a great insight into what has and has not been done and I think those words suggest that eight years of Russian aggression, Russian cyber attacks, and really cyber attacks by the North Koreans, by the Chinese, by the Iranians. I mean, all our adversaries were gunning for us, and I think there's every indication that there was very little that we did in order to create a strong message of deterrence that we are the United States and, and don't mess with us.
10: The question now is whether incoming President-elect Donald Trump is prepared to make an example of those who have attacked America in cyberspace considering he once said in a Fox News Sunday interview, I think it's ridiculous, I think it's just another excuse, I don't believe it, no I don't believe it at all. And then shortly, and I know you know about this, at 6 a.m. on Friday he continued to defend Russia and Putin and he tweeted the following, let's put that up on the screen. Are we talking about the same cyber attack where it was revealed that head of the DNC illegally gave Hillary the questions to the debate and then at a thank you event Thursday night with some of her top campaign donors and fundraisers Clinton said that she too believed Russian backed hackers went after her campaign because of a personal grudge Putin had against her so the question is when is Trump going to believe this information and what is he going to do about it Look, I think Donald Trump when he is President
18: Trump is going to have a much greater strategic objective I mean I think what he is is signaling is that he doesn't believe Russia is America's number one enemy. He believes radical Islam is the number one enemy. I think he believes that China is a, a rising power and he's challenging us in East Asia. And I think he's looking to, to forge some kind of relationship with Vladimir Putin to see if he can solve some of these other problems. I think because of that, he's not he doesn't want to pick a fight with Vladimir Putin before he actually occupies the, uh, the Oval Office. And-
2: okay, so, you know, the, out of control, basically. So... You know why, why doesn't Donald Trump accept the findings of the uh, intelligence agencies who've found nothing basically so it's like making you sort of prove a negative you know you have to accept something that, that isn't there so th- th- this is the game the media is playing right now and uh, these and Trump has pointed out this is the same intelligence agencies that said there are weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and he got chastised for that how dare he He, he challenged the intelligence? He needs them because they, they save lives. They save lives. Um, they protect America's freedoms, those brave intelligence workers. Well, the fa- Trump pointed out something that every other American with, with half a brain had figured out by now, which is that there are some people in the intelligence agencies and, and that intelligence community that have sold their soul to the party or sold their soul to whoever – uh, and they're not working in the interests of the American people. They're either working for one particular political agenda or another. Uh, and they're not they're not really doing their job as intelligence analysts, gatherers, and analysts, okay? And they're doing a whole lot of spying against the American people, some of these people, okay? So they're not all whiter than white, and uh, certainly there's problems, and there's not good people in certain positions within this intelligence structure, okay? Who are undermining uh, the rights of Americans, who are undermining American interests uh, uh, for whatever political or financial agenda or an ideological agenda, who knows? Okay. That's pretty obvious to anybody who, you know, is reasonably looking at this. Uh, so you know, it's good to question they're not infallible, they're not above accountability. That's when you encounter huge problems when you start believing that they are. And this is what a lot of the uh, media people are shilling for, constantly bullying people. Please accept what the intelligence agencies are saying. So they're really reinforcing another type of tyranny, okay? So here's my conclusion to this study. Okay, so this is a fake story. And people say, how can you say that? And I'm going to ask you a question. You don't think it's possible that the government media complex can whip up a fake story and push it through the mill for for a few weeks or a few months and then wait till it sort of peters out and they move on to the next war, okay? You don't think that's possible? You don't think that's ever been done before? You don't think that somehow this is not possible today in 2016? This is a fake story. This is what I believe. I've looked at this. I've looked at this very closely. I've looked at what people are saying and it seems to me like certain people are giving away certain positions that they're they're holding. So I can see their hand at the poker table, okay? This is a game of poker. This is a fake story. And this has been, this will be fettered out through multiple congressional and Senate committee investigations and hearings uh, in the coming months. Right into the Trump administration. It'll, it'll still have life. They'll still be pushing it. Okay, and by the end of it, it will conclude not much. Okay, there'll be calls, and what it will end up is this. There'll be calls for more security and more money appropriated for cybersecurity, and that'll be the big talk, that'll be the big conclusion coming out of this, and that we need to do more to counter the Russian threat for the reasons which we outlined at the beginning of this uh, program. Okay, so Obama, Obama might take the blame for some of this, but you know he's always backing out. Does what he does best. Uh, this president is, which is lead from behind and uh, cover his backside. Okay, so you know the biggest uh, no doubt. No doubt, if any government tries to interfere, the, when the president said uh, he was asked directly about this issue, what do you think about the Russian hack? His answer was said everything to me. It say so he said, well, no doubt that uh, if any government tries to interfere with our election system. So he he didn't address. He was asked about Russia, and Russia was not in his answer. That indicated to me the president's already covered his, uh, created his exit strategy uh, out of this. So he's never on record as saying certainly that Russia did anything. He's constantly being, uh, he's backpedaling and so forth. Is the biggest snake ever to sit in the Oval Office. He's brilliant at what he does. Uh, so and Putin said, "Put up or shut up." Of course, they're not going to put up anything, uh, and they're not going to shut up. Okay, so. And the U.S. says, well, we can show you, we can't show you any intelligence because we don't want to uh, reveal our sources and methods. That's that excuse. Okay, so the same as, as the Russian jet that went down, that was shot down by Turkey. Uh, we, we could have provided satellite data to show that it was in Syrian airspace. This was a year ago. But we don't want to reveal our sources and methods, of course. So just go ahead and blame Russia. MH17, same with that. Russia has... Russia has put out all of its satellite information, all of its data, all the air traffic control information, has made that open source. The U.S. has done nothing, provided nothing. So Russia is more transparent than the United States in terms of its, what it's putting out in public from its federal agencies. That's a fact, okay, on, especially on these events that I'm telling you now. ISIS oil tankers, uh, ISIS oil going from Syria into Turkey. Russia caught this on camera and has uh, satellite or drone footage. It released that to the public, and the international community did nothing about it. Okay? Meanwhile, the U.S. has all the same data, and it shows nothing. Okay? So ISIS is allowed to move and make money. ISIS invading Palmyra in May 2015. The U.S. could have shown you all the satellite information. They had satellites right over Syria the whole time. Okay, how is ISIS allowed to move across hundreds of miles of deserts with the U.S. supposedly running air sorties overhead to invade Palmyra and kill innocent civilians and ruin a World Heritage site? Uh, The U.S. is just saying, well, we can't show you because we don't want to reveal our sources and methods. Okay, I see a theme developing here. It's not a good one. Okay, so so when are people going to realize that this, on many levels, this is a criminal enterprise? Okay. Now that's not to say that there aren't uh, many other such criminal syndicates in the world, uh, be they in China or Russia or Japan or Italy or Turkey or Pakistan or India or Britain uh, or somewhere else in Europe. Okay. There are plenty of criminal syndicates and they do overlap with government. Okay. But. Uh, you know, the U.S. is by far and away the biggest global protection racket on the planet, 4,000 military bases all over the world all the time, doing everything to everybody. Okay, so, so you know, no intelligent person can pretend that this isn't a level playing field or that, sorry, that this is a level playing field. Um, now, or the U.S. are the moral. Standard bearer for the world. I don't think that's a very good statement, or that somehow the U.S. is exceptional beyond its um, military might. Uh, and I say this by virtue of the things that it's done and the way it's been behaving. Okay, that's the main problem. That's the issue that people should be focused on in America: is how can we improve that situation and to improve our uh, reputation. Uh, in the eyes of the rest of the world, certainly that would be priority number one. But that's not that sort of examination's not happening. That debate's not happening. What's happening is a lot of scapegoating uh, to blame external parties to hide the real faults, which are obviously, you know, in in the domestic United States scene. Okay, so so this re, re, people who are backing this hysterical conspiracy theory. Uh their main defense is, well, we need to be the world's only superpower because only might is right. Uh, and that's it. So, you know, a prevalence towards the strongest. Uh, so just like Thrasymachus in Plato's Republic. Uh, Man is made of metals, and the U.S. is the highest form of metal, so therefore, and it's stronger than everyone else, so therefore, it must impose its will on the rest of the world. Then you have this uh, scam called Responsibility Protect, which is the liberal uh, wing of this uh, American exceptionalism that we must intervene to protect the people and human rights. It's a liberal human rights construct. That's basically another form to mobilize military force, okay? All falls under the same category here. So these scams have all been exposed. The neoconservative scam, the, the R2P, Responsibility to Protect, Samantha Power scam, okay? These have all been exposed already. They're dead now. These are projects that had a short life, and now they're dead. The, the world is wised up to a lot of these things coming out of Washington, And so, yes, the world is a dangerous place, but we have to ask the question, ladies and gentlemen, is it a more dangerous place with or without the United States stroke UK? We'll call it the U.S. Is the world a more dangerous place with or without the U.S. at the helm right now today in 2016? That is a fair question. And so I'm going to say for this holiday season, Ponder that question. Ponder that question and ponder it, think about it for everyone's sake. Thank you for joining us for this special holiday edition of On the QT. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen, signing out. Take care, everybody. Have a beautiful, wonderful Christmas and New Year. And check us out at 21wire.tv. And do subscribe and become a member if you like our programming, you like The Sunday Wire, you like this program, and many others. Uh, We'd love to have you on board. We need your support. Take care. All the best. So check out our 21st Century Wire stationery, desk notebooks, iPhone covers, and DVDs of live talks. And for Sunday Wire listeners, enjoy your Sunday Java in style with our official Sunday Wire signature coffee mug. Subscribers and members, use your special promo code to get 20% off every order. Support 21stCenturyWire.com. Click on Shop 21 Wire or go to www.shop21wire.com. It's time. Since 2009, 21st Century Wire has been a trusted source of alternative news with opinion, analysis, investigative reports, and features covering stories from North America to Europe, the Middle East and globally. In the last two years we've grown dramatically. This year we're expanding our programming and our reporting and adding to our team of dedicated contributors. But we need your help. There is a way you can support us. Go to 21wire.tv and click on 21wire membership to find out more about how you can help support our platform by subscribing and becoming a member. In return, We promise to keep it independent and keep it real. But that's not all. By subscribing to 21Wire.tv, members will get access to more premium content, like virtual private screenings of new documentaries and short films, and get inside access to members' podcasts, like On the QT with Patrick Henningsen. And also, you can see our new morning commute show, Drive by Wire, with Sean Helton, as well as our new geopolitical current affairs series, Insight shot in high definition by becoming a member you're also helping to support the sunday wire radio show as well as all our great reporting at 21stcenturywire.com there's more members will also gain access to our fortnightly members situation report newsletter as well as special discounts on all 21 wire merchandise up at our online store shop 21 subscribe and become a member
9: at 21wire.tv